Oh, hey there, Dad and Lovely listeners. Why, it's Dad and Lovely here with the host at the most. It's me, Uncle Ben. Oh, I didn't see you there. It's me, Hollywood Steve. Steve, fancy meeting you here. What? What are you up to? Do you want to maybe drink beer and talk about a movie? Yes, all the time. (laughs) Since we're both here and we're mic'd up and we happen to have our notes and stuff in front of us. If a dude's trying to get a date out of me. There you go. Yeah, (laughs) I had some mics set up. Do you want to do a cast? (laughs) Yep, let's do this. Wow, wow, what a coincidence! Actually, if anybody, I I was saying a dude because it's like you know I'm not going to go on a date with a woman because I'm married. But literally, if anybody wants me to be on their podcast, I'll probably do it. Especially if it involves drinking beer. It's a good choice. Yeah, it's a good start right there. Welcome, listeners, to a special wild card edition of Dead and Lovely. For those of you guys who don't usually listen to our show, I know we're going to have some Potter files tuning in here for the very mm. first time. Popping your Potter cherry over here. <laughs> we and are, that lets you know kids <laughs> should shut off now. Yeah, and done. <laughs> <laughs> we are typically a horror movie review podcast that talks about beer and pop culture and bullshit, and we occasionally do a wild card choice. Yep. And since the inception of the show, this is our third year running of doing a Harry Potter movie in mm-hmm. celebration of the Chosen One's month of birth. Yeah. July. Second week of July. Every year we'll continue to do it until we're done with them, I guess. Yeah, so in today's show we're going to be doing a whole bunch of bullshit and drinking beer and talking about Harry Potter 3 and the Prisoner of Ass Cabin. <laughs> just said for that you guys. earlier, and I don't know why. It just cracks I'm sticking me up with so it. much. I'm sticking Ass with cabin. it. Ass yeah. Cabin. How you been doing this week, Steve Arino? Uh, I've been doing pretty good. I, yeah? I've, uh, I've been... I've talked about it a little bit. I've been intermittent fasting for a while. How's that working out for you? You've it's done it going for a couple real of weeks good. Now. It's, yeah? it, I've been doing it for actually almost a month. And uh, yeah, it, I've gotten to the point where I'm only hungry during the times that I eat for that short eight hour span. Getting your beach bod going on, man. Are you trading in your yellow polka dot bikini for uh, maybe a, a sporty <laughs> thong or G string over here? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know that anybody would want to see that. Because it would be all hair. Hey, our listeners can't can't see it, but I'm raising my hand. All right. <laughs> look out. Look out. Yeah, I've been doing it for a while now, and I'm really digging it. Um, and I've actually been losing weight. I've already yeah. lost like 15 pounds. Holy so, shit. Yeah. And that's like all you've changed is that? Oh, well, I, I also started working out. Oh. Yeah. And so. doing speed. Oh, yeah. I also do meth now. It's great, guys. You'll wow. lose so much weight. You'll never be hungry. And you'll feel like a rock you star. so much done. Feel like you got a rocket up your ass. <laughs> wow, that's pretty amazing. So, like, what is your, your energy and starvation level like in the mornings? Because I imagine... Oh, it's, it's great. It's I good? feel great in the morning. I drink uh, black coffee. I drink cold brew. I'm not... I just... It's too hot. You're to too drinking. cool for hot coffee. <laughs> no, it's just too hot in general. It has it been ninety something degrees in yeah. Tennessee. We took a walk at yeah. like ten thirty at night last uh, night. And it was like ninety hot. degrees. It's the worst. Yeah, brutal. I just have uh, I I don't wake up until noon. Mm-hmm. So noon to five, I'm not eating. Um, but I, I drink some uh, cold brew, get some work done. Let then, me ask you. Let me ask you. You do a homemade cold brew, or do you get like a stove my, or a Starbucks or something? My uh, French press broke, so we're no. Yeah, sorry. And um, and y'all, I I want to get a new one, but it would be the second time I've gotten a new one because the beaker thing broke. And I'm Same. like, yeah, I feel like you should be able to buy just the beaker, just the beaker thing. Part, so yeah. I need to look on Amazon. Well, let me ask you. Do you stir with a, a metal spoon ever? Because that will destroy no. them. Okay. No. Well, damn. I use chopsticks. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Synchro move. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I only use like a little wooden spoon with mm. mine because I've also broken like two of them because I just grabbed yeah. whatever the nearest teaspoon was yeah. and just destroyed the fucking thing. Okay, so you've, your French press has been broken, so what are you yeah. doing? So, yeah, I'm doing Stoke. I love uh, Stoke. I'm a big fan of it. I yeah. fucking love it, man. Yeah. The Starbucks one, to me, is kind of shitty. Yeah, it's uh, there's too much acid to it's it. It's acidic, yeah. right, yeah. And even some of the other ones that I've had, like I think maybe the Stump Town or something, mm, yeah, had a I'm real acidic a taste to it, too. Stoke is like nice and smooth, mm-hmm. subtly chocolatey. Digging it. Nicely caffeinated. Yeah. You get the, the And you plain can one, just right? drink it black, and it's actually really good. Hell, yes, yeah. it is. It's real good with milk or cream, too, but most yeah. of the time, I'm just, I just rock it black. Yeah. That's like my afternoon coffee. I have my morning coffee, which is like <laughs> Aeropress yeah. with cream, uh-huh. and then my like afternoon coffee yeah. is going to be that. Sometimes, though, if I wake up with like just a horrible hangover or I didn't sleep good, uh-huh. I like drink cold brew while I make Aeropress. I'm like, I need coffee. <laughs> well, yeah, you need a lot need of coffee. coffee. so I can make yeah. coffee. That's <laughs> bad. Very yeah. bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm digging it. The coffee does help, too. It's an appetite suppressor. Sure. But then, uh, you know, five to one in the morning, because I don't go to bed until like six. That's grazing hours yeah, right there. Um, yeah, I, I'm still eating less than I normally would. And uh, that, I believe, is because of the intermittent fasting that I just don't have the same stomach capacity anymore. Right, yeah, you so like shrinkage I, I, going on. Yeah, like the other day I made a, a dish like I normally would have and halfway through it I was like, oh, I cannot eat that. That wow. is way too much food. After your your feasting hours are over, can you booze after that or is it a no well, booze that's after calorie, hours? Yeah, so I don't I don't I try to not. That would be the hard part for me. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, if if I if it's a Friday night and we're doing like the the streaming chat. Yeah. I will go till three because, you know, we're just drinking. I'm not going to sit there sober and watch the giant claw. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I mean, that's just like a cheat day. It's no big deal. It doesn't seem to affect me at all the next day. So I know a lot of people that are really getting into it that just say it gives them just a more consistent level of energy and they don't really have those crashes as much. Mm -hmm. And like you said, just lose weight crazy fast. Yeah. I'm not expecting, you know, uh, it to remain that dramatic because I, you know, when you first start dieting and if you're really doing it seriously, you will see some pretty drastic cuts early. Yeah. But if if you expect it to keep going that way, you get real disheartened <laughs> after a while because after a while it levels off and you got to work your ass off to to get that last bit off. I'd be happy just to get that that classic Richard Simmons bod going on for myself. <laughs> You know, yeah, I'd be happy with that at, that, at this what point. A positive dude, Man. I know, right? Yeah, he was on everything back in the eighties <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch him on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah, uh huh. Fucking hysterical. Yeah, he's great. Oh my god, yeah. hilarious. I wonder what he's doing now. I think There's he a podcast kinda... about him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what happened to Richard Simmons? I think it's called. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there was some nefarious shit going on, That's but then like he sued to. I think have him take it down. I'm not sure if it's still up. I'm not positive on oh, that. Oh, damn, dude. Yeah. Well, bless his heart. Yeah. Good I'll, dude. I'd like to get a pull to that right here. We got ourselves a quality beer already opened up. Just been kind of getting a little bit more to a cellar temp right here. And I'm excited to whip my whistle with Me this too. thing right here. I, when I've you pulled this, this out of the fridge, I was fucking over the moon. It's called Bud Light Lime. Yeah, you, you, they got the lime already in there. Yeah, you don't even have to add it yourself. I don't know how they did it, but wow. I'm looking forward to trying it. It's like a Bud Light, 
but with lime. Yeah, but with artificial lime flavoring. Yeah. <laughs> we got ourselves a Delirium Red right here. Yeah, I have never had this. I have had Delirium Tremens, yeah. which is a favorite for sure. Have you had the Delirium Nocturne? Yes, I have. Yeah. Also really enjoyed that. I think at one point it was ranked as like best beer in the world. Yeah, the it's Tremens so was, good. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to trying this because it says it's a Belgian ale with cherry and elderberry. Yeah. And well, I just got a whiff off of it and you can smell that cherry. You definitely can. And yeah. it looks kind of like a like a sparkling wine or something. Oh, yeah. Kind of got a brownish reddish with a little fizz on top. It's I'm an 8%er, it. but to me, 8% on a Belgian beer is more like 14% of a regular <laughs> beer. There's something about, I think, the amount of like sugar and herbs and stuff like that yeah. in Belgian beers that just take the, the proof and, you know, really increase it by like 50%. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I've never sat down with a bottle of delirium for myself. You have to share it. You won't be awake for it. Oh my God. That is awesome. Wow. Holy cow. Wait, oh. That's fucking great. That is mm. that cherry flavor. I'm about to is sound really real stupidly pretentious, but that is full bodied. It is. Yeah, it's like there's so much going on with it. Wow. I kind of wondered what this would be like because I figured with the cherry and oh, elderberry wow. that it'd be like a lot more tart. But it's not actually all that tart. It's no. pretty sweet and smooth. It's it's nice and fruity, smooth, but like it coats your entire mouth with different flavors. Yeah, and the and aftertaste just sticks with you, yeah, too. Yeah, it's perfect, too. Yeah. Gosh. The aftertaste is seriously kind of like cherry pie or something yeah. like that. But it's yeah. still got that, like, yeasty character that you associate with Belgian beers and stuff, too. Man, way to go, I delirium. am way Shit. on deck with this. Uh-huh. Because, honestly, like, these these Belgian-type beers are really what kind of got me into beer years oh, yeah? ago. Okay. Yeah, that was some of the first beers I had where I was like, oh, my God, they got so much flavor and uh-huh. booze, and I really yeah. liked them. That's absolutely true. But anymore, it's kind of like, usually by the time I'm halfway through one of these bombers, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm ready much. to go to bed. <laughs> time to go. Yeah. God, this is so oddly light and refreshing. Mm-hmm. Gosh, uh, yeah, that, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's a great summer beer. No doubt, mm-hmm. man. Dang, I really like that a lot. Well, Steve, I've had myself an extremely busy week. It is the week of my birthday. Yeah. It's a birthday week. Well, by the time this comes out, it'll be like a week or two after my birthday. Right. <laughs> late June is uh, is the week of my birth, and we celebrated and celebrated and celebrated, and mm-hmm. I got super slippery wet drunk <laughs> on Sunday with yeah. you and a whole bunch I, of homies. Yeah. I, it was so hot that like... Yes. That I think that played into it because I I Absolutely. think I only had five beers, but I just realized that is not true. I had three beers while we were at Crafty Bastard. Oh wow! I was drunk as shit. <laughs> Glad Emily was there to drive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that over the course of the day, and it, it was an all day thing. So we started with like drag brunch, uh-huh. Rebel Kitchen, yeah, which was amazing. And I had like a beer and a shot with with breakfast. And then I think over the course of the day, I maybe had like four or five beers, but I was just fucking shithouse by the end of the day. (laughs) And it's because, again, most of the places we were drinking had like outdoor seating and Uh walking from place to place. My God, it was so fucking hot outside. I was so sweaty and I was a dumbass. I was wearing jeans. I didn't even think about it. Right. Yeah. You had an ecosystem going on Uh in drawers. Mm Mm-hmm. And trousers had their own climate. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of wondering, how did I do? Was I too belligerently no, ridiculous No, we were drunk? all pretty loud by the time we got to Merchants of Beer, but we were like the only people in there. Okay, so, yeah. Because yeah. I look back and I'm like, did I get a little too no. hooting and hollering, rip-roaring <laughs> no. drunk? There was a lot of talk about Crystal Burgers. Yeah. And, Yuck. Um, and uh, well, then... Y- 
turns out you've been using white noise. Okay, <laughs> listen, this is something I want. I want to just preach to our listeners yeah. and recommend because I had a life changing nap uh-huh. about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. What a thrilling subject to talk about yeah. is my nap. But I had a <laughs> I had a day that was super. I had to get up super early. There's a ton of shit to do in the middle of the day. I was just dead on my feet, and I was like, yep. I want to take like a twenty to forty minute nap. So I went on the Spotify mm-hmm. and just looked up white noise. Yeah. There's a ton of white noise playlists on there. Right. And it's basically just static. You so know, you turn it on static. and it was like, Blue Lives Matter. It, it, okay, Lock here's her the thing. Up. I thought white noise was Maga. supposed to be soothing. <laughs> this was just a bunch of white guys complaining about white people's stuff. I couldn't believe it. Woman's place is in the kitchen. Yeah. This is white white noise. Why can't I have my gun in but that here? Put you out. You felt real comfortable, huh? Yeah, I think what it is, it soothed me into such a lull because I was like, that's exactly what they would say. <laughs> I was at ease because there was no unpredictability. Oh, it was God. just exactly what I we thought. We were talking about this at Mercy's of Beer for like 30 <laughs> minutes, I believe. <laughs> that Larry the Cable guy's funny. White noise. <laughs> <laughs> but I did seriously have a mind altering, phenomenal nap. I don't think I've yeah. ever slept so good. That in sounds my awesome. Life. I, uh, Emily also uses white noise from time yeah. to Actually, she has a, a storm thing now. Where it's like rain and and like roll. Oh, like storm from X Men. Yeah, yeah. She comes in with rain and some thunder. I think that's and the opposite she's like, of white noise. I am Aurora. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I don't know how that puts her to sleep. And then the X Men, the animated series, music starts up. Oh, it's so good. Dude, that guy is so. I remember the first time that came on. It was like 92, maybe, or 93. Something like that, yeah. Watching that opening. Because I, I think they did a cold open with Morph, and then they bust into that opening, and it was just like, what? This is so exciting. It's going to kick this much ass? <laughs> yes. And awesome. It that was I a mean, weird period where it's like we had this kick ass Batman cartoon uh-huh. and this kick ass X Men cartoon. Batman the animated series still looks gorgeous. Yeah. Now, X Men doesn't look as great. No, the but animation it, it's still good. is not great. But yeah. It did the have stories like, were good. all kinds of deep cut characters uh-huh. and comics and stuff. Yeah, and Modox in there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> they, yeah. yeah, they did a lot of. And they, I believe they were hinting near the end towards some Age of the Apocalypse, Age of Apocalypse thing, but I they remember actually got. That. Yeah. Uh, it got canceled or whatever that batman animated is just oh, it's so good the that, fucking greatest yeah kevin conroy is still he's the batman that's batman yeah. to me like i wish that they could find a live action actor that just sounded like mm-hmm. kevin conroy yeah because he's perfect yeah i'd be very okay with that so we had ourselves just a fantastic fabulous birthday and on the actual day of my birth and the subsequent day mm-hmm. i celebrated by watching many a movie awesome just chilling, huh? Approximately three movie. Oh, that is many a movie, yeah. Yeah, so I want to tell you about them. So just go ahead and snuggle in. Tuck in all right. that coat here over there. Yeah, get all nestled all in right. now. Okay. Got your Snuggie on. Yep. I watched Mandy. Oh, yes. On Shudder the night of my birthday. So awesome. Which was an How'd extremely wise choice. Yes. Holy shit. Everybody has been telling me now for like a year, mm-hmm. you have to watch Mandy. Dude, Everybody has been asking nuts. me, dude, have you watched Mandy yet? Uh-huh. And I just somehow had not got around to watching it. And I don't know exactly why. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the other night I was like, it's midnight. It's my birthday. We're going to watch Mandy. Mm-hmm. And put it on. And I was just immediately like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking on board with this movie. Yeah. 
it is so much more bizarre and trippy than I thought that it was going to be. It is amazing. Not th- knowing anything about it going in when I watched it, I, which I think it was about a year ago, um, it, it really blew my mind um, almost maybe like 10 minutes into it yeah. where it's just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. yeah. And like even the title cards are just like, weird, what the yeah. fuck? They're mm-hmm. like weird like 80s fantasy novel title yeah. cards and shit. And the soundtrack and everything is so fucking rad. Awesome. Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cajun yeah. the hell out of it. I wonder if he even had a script or if they were just like, what would you like to do now? Yeah. And he's like, I, I want a battle axe. <laughs> All right. Get him a fucking battle axe. Sounds about right. And a mound of cocaine. I mean, half of the movie, dude, and I will say, maybe it could have been a little bit less, uh, but like half of the movie is in fucking slow motion. Yes. Because I think for at least half of the movie, somebody on screen is on acid. Mm-hmm. And so or you're something. just kind of... Yeah, on all sorts of weird mind Getting stung shit. by wasps and stuff. Yeah. Holy what? shit, dude. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, it's it's long and it's a slow burn kind of uh, thing. Yeah, it's a very it slow burn. so engrossing. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Like, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. And it Isn't was also, it? like, weirdly funny. Yeah, there's... Yes. The fucking cheddar... The like cheddar goblin? Uh-huh. What in the fuck, man? The so fucking weird. It's bizarre. Yeah. Truly, truly yeah. bizarre. I don't know how to describe it. It's like somewhere like an 80s fantasy meets mm. Hellraiser meets black metal. Yeah. Isn't it directed by the dude who did Beyond the Black Rainbow? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Mandy is better. Definitely. I like. I mean, Beyond the Black Rainbow is, is weird, but worth a watch. But right. Mandy. This has a lot more story. Definitely. Yeah. And it doesn't have much story, frankly. Not really, no, yeah. Pretty simple. It's a very simple revenge tale, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I loved it. I'd love to do it on the show sometime. Oh, we have to. Be a good one yeah. to cover. So then the next day, we went and saw Godzilla, King of a Monster. Yeah? King the of theater. a Monster. Yeah, he's the King of a Monster. <laughs> and, you know, it's got it's got all 11 from Stranger Things uh-huh. in it. Yeah, it's and Vera Farmiga, right? Yeah, that's well, right. She's the in there. Whole bunch of people in there. Some guy that looks like the American version of Russell Crowe is in there. Are you talking about uh, Kyle Chandler? I don't know. I uh, guess so. He's kind of like the main dad in the movie. Is he? Okay. Yeah. He looks like a, an all beef Russell Crowe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. It's pretty good. All right. I I had heard a lot of people saying that they're like, oh, there's not enough character development in it. There's just too mm. much big monsters fighting. Isn't that what Godzilla? Godzilla. Is? Yeah. And honestly, my biggest critique is could have been dumber. <laughs> movie could have been dumber. That was my biggest that. critique of the first Godzilla. It was like it's just too. Much. I want big monster. Yeah. Like and I'm I like I I hate uh, what's that one with the Pacific big, Rim. Pacific Rim. I hate that. But like I'm invested in Godzilla. I've known about Godzilla forever. Godzilla, big monster, destroys. Yeah. That's yes. It's I want it, that. Right. Yeah. And you can put some like vague. If they threw Pacific Rim though in with the Godzilla and King Kong universe, I would be all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Get some giant robots yeah. fighting those things. They, that's what it needs. Like Pacific Rim needs established monsters for me to like it because their monsters are just like I don't know who this is. Get some brand new. Is he King of a there. Monster? Is he from Skull Island? Yeah. Which monster even? Yeah. God. <laughs> anyway. 
Hmm. You were that would be an interesting thing, though, to have some licensed properties interact with the Pacific yeah. Rim. Jason versus Pacific Rim. Yes. <laughs> John Boyega taking on Jason, but he's in a Jaeger, Jason Jaeger. How about John Wick versus Pacific Rim? Dude. Now, that'd be a fight of the of the century. If they ever do cross over Fast and the Furious and John Wick, I would be okay with it. Oh, John my Wick is, God. is like way better level of movies than the Fast and the Furious, but I could see that working really cool. Dude, The Rock and Jason Statham, uh-huh. and they're like, we got to steal the Jaegers. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck yeah. And then they do a big jump with them. That'd be great. A big yes. jump. Hobbs and Shaw is coming out in like August, right? I'm okay. Listen to this. Yeah. So, sometime a week or so ago, it was late. We'd just been chilling out and stuff all yeah. night. And I was like, I'm going to put on the Fast and the Furious. Which one? Just first the first one. one? Okay. It's a good one. It's the only one I've ever seen. Fast Five is my favorite, I believe. Well, here's the thing is like, in my head, they were all just douche, bro dude movies. Mm-hmm. But then I know a lot of people whose like movie opinions I respect that mm-hmm. are like, Oh, they're really fun. They're Just super fun, yeah. So I finally gave in, and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to watch these again. So I mm. started with the first one, and it it was entertaining. It's entertaining. It had some really bad, stupid, oh, corny yeah. shit. Yeah. Really bad. And that horrible, fucking lame fight scene. Uh-huh. Real Worst bad. fight scene ever. Oh, dude, it gets so much better. Two is not great. I would say it's the worst. And then three goes into the future for some reason. Uh, and doesn't have anybody from the other movies. Okay. But then, like, once you get to four and then on to, like, eight, they become superheroes. They can do insane shit that nobody could possibly do. (laughs) And they have, like, an unlimited budget of money. So they're like, let's all have cars and... Uh, parachute them out of a helicopter. <laughs> Why not? And they do it, and it's Fuck awesome. Yeah. That's getting me even more stoked to watch the other ones. Yeah. I can't wait to see those. Good stuff. Okay, so Godzilla King of the Monsters, like I said, it really could have been dumber for me. Uh, it it kind of seemed like there great. was a lot of, okay, okay. but we've got to explain how the monster got here don't, and why don't it wanted to, to blow that. up this and why mm. it wanted to fight that other monster and stuff. Yeah. Just fucking get with the monsters. That's really all I care about. It was yeah. like a two-hour movie, a little over two hours, and it's like uh, now, not was, necessary. Who, which of the monsters? Ghidorah's in there, yeah. right? Rodan is in there. Rodan, okay. And Mothra, Mothra okay. is in there. There's kind of like glimpses of a ton of other ones too, okay. you know, because it's kind of yeah. like these monsters are popping up all over the uh-huh. orb. So hopefully we'll see more of some of those because some of them looked really, really cool. Yeah. The best part of the movie was that it, we saw it at like two o'clock on a Thursday, and so there was us, somebody sitting in front of us, and then like back row of the theater, there was like a little family of people, I guess, watching it, mm. and somebody brought their old Mima back there. Oh boy! And dude, the co- the <laughs> color commentary they were running on the movie the whole time was just absolutely hilarious. I loved it. She was taking this as seriously as though it was like a Meryl Streep movie about nuns or something. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> like there's this part in there where one of the characters. It's this woman, and she's talking about how, like, oh, you know, we need to let the monsters do their thing and have their turn and destroy the Earth. Okay. Uh, we've been on top for too long, and they've got to, you know, wipe it all down and help right. raise the Earth back Great up. Great opinion to have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that woman in the background goes, she thinks she's God. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, she oh, was taking Meemaw. it so, so very seriously. Oh, Mimo. Later on, there's a part where, like, Godzilla takes a big, he takes a big bump and he's down. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mothra kind of comes to the rescue. And you kind of get the impression that Mothra has, like, some kind of healing powers or something like that, right? Yeah. So Mothra, like, kind of, like, glides down, like, sprinkles some fancy moth dust on him, whatever. Right, obviously. <laughs> and that woman in the background goes, that there is his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> She's helping him out. <laughs> I was dying, dude. I was like, this, I'm That's glad I saw this way showing to see in the, the movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. They should record that lady and just play it with the movie. Yeah. I was going to say, what would be amazing is. Special, if, special Morristown showing. <laughs> yeah. If it turned out that that was actual, like, buried audio in the movie, that, that would be amazing. It just comes from, like, the rear projection uh-huh. speaker. So everybody in the audience <laughs> thinks it's somebody in the back row saying this stupid shit. That's a genius idea. That'd be idea. awesome. <laughs> Especially if you know you've got a shit movie. Yeah. Where you're just like, well, we got to make it somewhat entertaining. Exactly. What if we had somebody talk? Like Imagine it- somebody's mama on the back of the theater <laughs> running commentary on this. Just bury that in the, in the soundtrack. The, they actually should release, every time they release the DVD, they should have the Meemaw cut. <laughs> yeah. Meemaw just talks to it. <laughs> oh, oh, they man. took his dog. Oh, he's not happy. He's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> If, if the rock stole my car, I think I'd let him. I think he's a pretty man. <laughs> if he'd let me ride in a passenger seat, <laughs> it's on. Goddamn. Yeah, we need, we need the, the yeah. Meemaw edition. Meemaw edition. Yeah. The monster stuff did look awesome. The monster yeah. fights were uh, yeah, way Yeah, the previews, sick. they look great, it seems. One of my favorite things about it, too, is watching it, knowing that apparently all the Godzilla stuff mm-hmm. was motion capture. Oh, so that was that's a guy cool. like acting like yeah. Godzilla, which is, I mean, that's traditional Godzilla guy in a suit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I liked that about it. That's and cool. I also, just thought it was very amusing thinking about a guy like <laughs> acting like he's <laughs> yeah shooting lasers out of his mouth and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. Worth a watch. I don't, I'm not going to say you have to see it in theaters. Matinee or wait for a rental. Yeah, I'll wait till it's on HBO probably. That night we went and watched the premiere of Nightmare Cinema which is a new uh, horror anthology. Okay. They were right. showing it over at Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh-huh. which if you're a Knoxville resident or anywhere in Tennessee, really, go and check out Central Cinema. Yeah. It is it's a cool, cool place. just like tiny theater, one screen, and they show all kinds of old flicks and uh, new stuff that's limited release. Really, really, really fun. Cool mm-hmm. place. Go and check them out and support them. But they were showing Nightmare Cinema, which is a new horror anthology, and I didn't yeah. I didn't know anything about it going into it, so yeah, I was just I've like, never, I hadn't even heard of it. Yeah, like okay. I've just seen like some ads on Instagram and stuff for it, and I was uh-huh. like, new horror anthology. I love anthologies. They're showing it on my birthday. Okay, perfect. So just went and watched it. Didn't watch a trailer for it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So no expectations going into it. It's about like five stories, mm-hmm. like five short That's stories. That's pretty tall. Yeah, yeah, it's getting there. <laughs> And most of them are like 20 minutes, some of them are 30 minutes, yeah. something like that. It's okay. It's okay. I'm, right. not, I'm not going to tell you it's like creep show level or okay, anything so like that. You know? Not one of the best horror anthologies ever made. Exactly. Creep show. <laughs> it's not to that level. Yeah. Shocker. Shocker. Yeah. Yeah. But it had some decent stuff in there. Like it explored some cool themes. Uh, and, and I'll kind of give you just my own little mini review. Mind if okay. I lightly? Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to spoil it, but I'm just yeah. going to give you some themes of That's what good. I'm going to talk That's about. That's fine with me. What what's cool about it is that within the five stories that kind of cover the big genres of horror. Oh, okay. So like the first feature is like a slasher, 
Uh-huh. The second one is kind of body horror. Okay. The third one is like uh, possession, demons, exorcism. Uh-huh. The fourth one is kind of like a weird paranormal, well, not really paranormal, kind of psychological okay. sort of thing, which is pretty neat. And then the last one is more of a paranormal with ghosts and stuff like that. So it's cool because it's not just doing one thing to death over and over and over. Yeah. You know, it gives you a little bit of variety throughout the whole genre of horror. And the wraparound story was kind of cool too. They got Mickey Rourke to be oh. the, the projectionist. Basically, like, there's this theater that all these people kind of yeah. keep getting drawn into, and they sit down in the seats and th- see themselves. In Always a movie. some sort of premise. They're coming into uh, a crypt to see what's down there, or they're going, going to, to get some drugs. Tales from the hood. Yeah, they're going to go get some drugs from the. Where's the shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're sitting down for a movie. Yeah, and yeah. they like see themselves in a movie and shit. So the wraparound idea was really cool. The first story, I'll tell you, the first story in there, the slasher, is fucking awesome. It set the bar yeah. maybe dangerously high yeah. for the rest of the thing. Because the rest of it was all like, yeah, this is pretty good. Uh, there's a few that weren't great in yeah. there. But the first it's feature It's easy to in screw there, up a slasher, so that's already high praise oh, yeah. if you're saying this is a good one. And I love slashers. Yeah. And it does a really good job of exploiting slasher tropes. Yeah. But also really kind of toying with your ideas about them, too. Okay. First segment is fucking great. Awesome. The worst part of it was definitely kind of the exorcism possession one. It was just okay. kind of like a mess of like, you could kind of tell somebody had an idea for an entire movie. And they're like... Try to s- just squash it down into yeah. a small... Yeah, okay. exactly. It's like, well, we won't give you the budget to do it, but we'll give you 20 minutes. Do what you can. <laughs> kind of felt like that, yeah. you know? But overall, like, that's the great thing about anthologies. If there's a story in there you don't like, guess what? In 20 next minutes, one, yeah. you get a new one. You might like the next one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever turned an anthology off. Yeah, I don't think me either. Ever, like, I'll do it with horror movies all the time, but with an anthology, it's like, well, I give it, you know. Yeah. Well, because sometimes you sit down in front of a movie and you're like, I'm not watching two hours of this. Like, right. 10 minutes in, <laughs> yeah. you're like, I'm not watching two hours of this. Fuck this. But then, like I said, with an anthology... Yeah, there's going to be something different coming up uh, in fucking 20 minutes. So you- I have seen some completely bad anthologies. Yeah. But it's really, really rare. Because almost always there is at least one segment. Yeah, this beer's awesome. It's fucking amazing, dude. I just took another sip and I'm like, yeah. God, it's so great. Almost yeah, always there's, always there's at least something. one segment that you're like, yeah, that was cool. I like yeah, that. definitely. Yeah. It's worth a watch. It's kind of an independent cinema thing. So give them some support and give yeah. it a watch. Like I said, that first segment fucking awesome man cool. and the fourth segment which is kind of the psychological one has this cool black and white thing and some really oh, right. unusual special effects and it's got one of the chicks from haunting of hill house okay i can't remember which one she's the the, the pretty brunette lady from haunting oh, of hill the house. pretty brunette from- yeah that you know the, <laughs> the one i'm talking about in any mike flanagan project <laughs> right yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we watched that and uh and it was a good time had myself just a great old a great old birthday man it was a good time a pretty good time to be 35 in the united states of america <laughs> the big three five <laughs> the big three five wow man, man. i did it i, did I remember it. those Far gone days. Yeah. Of, uh, two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. What have you uh, been up to this week there, Hollywood been, Steve? Okay. So I've been doing a lot of work because I'm, I'm working on, been trying to figure out stuff with Meth House Massacre, and that's looking like a further off project than yep. I had hoped. And uh, I've been trying to figure out something that's smaller that I can do. Doesn't require explosions and blood packs because mm. that's mm-hmm. a big fucking. Uh, amount of money unfortunately i've also been working on taking my undead class from when i taught 
a class on the undead and turning it into YouTube videos. And I have, I have 10 file folders full of, um, scholarly articles and chapters from books that Ooh. I Xerox and stuff. And I'm just working my way through them. And I think it's going to work. I think it's going to be I'd one totally of, watch it. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those things that can be very entertaining while also like actually getting good information out. Yeah. So you're kind um, of in the planning phases of that, right? Yeah. Now. Trying to like sketch it. that out. And then, um, I've also been playing Castlevania Aria of Sorrow. Which one is that? That's for Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I played a little bit of that. No, no, no. I played the one for DS. Which one is that? I can't remember what that one's called. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I haven't played it yet. And it was cool. Yeah. Uh, Castlevania on NES, I have trouble with because I, I just feel like the controls aren't right. Well, it's so goddamn impossible, too. Yeah. Jeez, dude. That's one of the hardest games ever made. Yeah. Boss soundtrack, though. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, but Aria of Sorrow is a little bit a little bit simpler. Okay. The um, mechanics are better. You got a double jump and a slide and stuff like that. So it, it reminds you of uh, games more like Metroid and stuff, which a lot of the Castlevania games have. Is it a level-based side-scroller or is it more of a Metroidvania open map game? Uh, open map. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so you unlock portions and you have to go back to my other fave. portions of the map. I love it. It's yeah, so dude. awesome. I mean, that's why I like Symphony of the Night is uh, Symphony of the Night my favorite is, game Yeah, ever. it's the best. Yeah. It's the best Castlevania game for sure. God, I love it. But this is kind of the same deal where you got yeah, a huge open map. kind of map. the same deal. Uh, interesting story going down and a lot of cool, you know, creatures you got to fight. Nice. They have all the classic zombies and Medusa heads and shit like um, that. I haven't seen a Medusa head. It's got stuff like... It does have zombies, definitely. Skeletons. Uh... It has a cockatrice in there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they can Classic. turn you to stone. Very cool. Um, there's a another. There's a bull. There are these little imp devils that are real small, and so they're hard to hit, and um, they can make you get like confused, basically, where you you can't do anything, and you're just kind of stuck there. And just like in real life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's got a. Uh, it's fun. I've been enjoying it, and it's not too difficult, which. Nice. You know, when you're just trying to blow off some steam for 10, 20 minutes, you don't want a game that you're like, what the fuck? I hate you. I know. Right. Like, I <laughs> yeah. think that that's the thing is when you were a kid, you're just like, give me something that I can sink my teeth into yeah. as a challenge. <laughs> and you get you older all day yeah. and every day to play it. Exactly. Yes. And I'm, and you're not mad about anything else. Yeah. So it's not that big a deal when this game pisses you off. Yeah. When you're an adult, it's just like, I'm mad at pretty much everything and I need something <laughs> to help me relax. It's not going to be fighting the goddamn Grim Reaper. Right. In uh, Castlevania 1 for NES. No, it's not. It's not going to help you blow off steam. No fun. No, I'd probably have a damn heart attack if I tried to play Ugh. that game now, man. Yeah. I remember playing that shit as a kid and just feeling like my blood pressure just yes. spiking, man. That that was a game that, yeah, frustrated controller throws and just, I don't like this game. This game cheats. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was a game that you would just be like, it's unfucking yeah. fair you know? Mm. But then, of course, you can watch speed runs of people doing this shit. Yeah, and they do it, like, effortlessly. Yeah. yeah. Was it you that was telling me you saw somebody do a Mario 64 speed run in like six minutes? Mm -hmm. That's the world record right now. It's How? six minutes and something in zero stars. All glitches. I have to watch this. It's insane. Yeah, you, there's this um, YouTube person summoning salt. He he does these great videos about speed run progr or, uh, the world record progression on speed runs. Okay, that's and he, cool. He has like, you know, the that's video from all the series. It's really great. Like he's real good at it too. So I recommend that if you're even if you're not into speedruns, if you're just into video games and you've never really paid attention to speedruns, this will get you into speedruns. Hmm. What was he it called? 
Uh, summoning salt. Summoning salt. Okay. He has one video that's entirely about Super Mario level one four, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's a forty-four minute video. Jesus. And it's enthralling. Wow. I watched the entire thing, just like yes. Right. There's a single little pixel you can glitch through and run through the map. Like, what? I and love that shit, It's man. insane. Yeah. I was always really obsessed with trying to find glitches and stuff in those games back then. Yeah. Because a lot of times, especially like 8 and 16-bit games, they were just not playtested enough. Right. Because they didn't care. They were like... We got to get it out. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is before video games became a multi-billion dollar industry that right. like is bigger than the damn movie industry. You uh-huh. know? So these developers would put a title out and be like, it's going to make $40,000 max. Who cares if it's glitchy? Right. But I always love like renting a game or getting a game and just finding weird shit. Like, I, I remember whenever Gran Turismo 2 came out, uh-huh. it was really buggy. Uh-huh. It was like a little bit rushed in the development process because Gran Turismo 1 was such a huge hit. And there's all kinds of weird shit. There's places in there where you could like drive off the track and go for infinity and get your car up to like 300 miles an hour and stuff. Whoa. Yeah. And I just yeah. love finding little things like that. So, Check that out. I, I, mean, like it. I We've spent almost 40 minutes talking about video games. <laughs> video games. <laughs> this is about Harry Potter, damn it. Damn it all. <laughs> How was that stream the other night? Oh, man, it's so fun. Uh, uh, we watched Dave Bechet's suggestion, The Giant Claw. How was that? I don't know what that is. It's a 1950s B-movie that is not good. It's Shocker. It's real bad, but it looked nice because the, the YouTube's uh, upload that we found was definitely blu-ray quality nice you don't find those often yeah but the bird ish thing pterodactyl whatever the it was like just looked like a big goofy fucking bird with dead eyes and it didn't (laughs) flap its wings when it flew it was just like this like a paper mache bird all right and there was a whole lot of exposition and a ton of science talk and it was just ridiculous. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, it was fun to make fun of it. Sounds all right. Yeah. And then we watched Final Exam, which is one I talked about maybe a couple episodes ago that yeah. my wife and I watched. You said it's got some really like shocking yeah. modern shit in there. Yeah. And people who didn't know about it were pretty, very, very much surprised Damn. when it happened. So again, I'll recommend Final Exam just specifically for one moment, but... I did see this, and Dave Bichet was telling me that Radish in that movie is the inspiration for Randy in Scream. Okay, yeah, and the, so watching, the horror lore guy. Yeah, watching through it again, I was looking for how he was like Randy, but I started seeing so much other stuff that was definitely an inspiration for Scream. So mm. watch it. If you're a big Scream fan, you'll probably catch some of that stuff. One of those deep-cut, influential mm-hmm. kind of flicks. Yeah. It's like the Anvil... Of horror movies. Right. That's it. (laughs) I got to check that out. Well, Steve, the subject of our podcast today, of course, is our returning trip to the grounds of Hoggy Hoggy Hogwarts. That's it. We're going to be chilling out with Harry, Hermione, and Hermione. And you know, one of the big things that is introduced in this, the third installment of the Harry Potter series, is the use of the Patronus. Expecto Patronum. Yeah, which is our, our magical spirit animals. What defend us from that which would harm us and stuff. And whatnot. Yeah. But, Ben, 
What would your Patronus be? You know, this is one of those things that I've been wondering for quite some time now, but I've never gone to explore and find out myself. Where do you think I could find out something about that? You could go to Pottermore and learn from JK's own website. Just kidding, Rowling's own website? Yeah, this is, you can go to Pottermore. I'm sure everybody who's a, a Harry Potter fan knows this, but... You can find out what house you would be sorted into. You can find out what your wand would be. Oh, my. Uh, you can take the owl exams. Just as a reminder, what house are you sorted into? Ravenclaw. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Ravenclaw. The best. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take this official Pottermore quiz here and find out what our Patronus is. I just clicked on it. It says the Patronus is a kind of positive force, a projection of the very things that the Dementor feeds upon. Hope, happiness, the desire to survive. Quoth Remus. Lupin, little introduction <laughs> to what a patroness does. That was, I mean, properly a dramatic, dramatic reading. Yeah. Thank you. It was a dramatic <laughs> reading. All right, so let's see. Or I'm gonna hit. Oh, questions are timed. Oh, I'm gonna go right. ahead and hit begin. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Relax. Think of your happiest memory. And then Uncle Ben and Hollywood Steve went upon a magical journey to find out what the true patronus might be. But they were soon stunned to find that mainly the quiz was just choosing a, a random word and not so much personal questions. Okay, it, it's giving things like salt, sweet? Uncle Ben was given a different set of questions, which didn't really make any more sense. Okay, that's not what I have. I have blade, leaf, thorn. Oh. Slightly unsure of himself, his hesitations cost him dearly. Apparently I did that too slowly, so I have to try another one. The questions plumbed the depths of their souls and were not entirely entertaining to listen to. Lead, escape, or save. I say lead. Rain, sun, wind. I'm gonna oh go gosh. Sun. Silent or speak. Speak. Oh my god, this is not going to be entertaining. No. <laughs> Hollywood Steve was given some slightly erotic encouragement about his Patronus. Something is trying to emerge from your wand. Keep going, it says. <laughs> it's coming. It is my belief that Uncle Ben was more focused on taking a trip down to the Leaky Cauldron for a cup full of Ogden's Old Fire Whiskey than he was on finding his Patronus. Sweet or salt? Booze is not a choice, so salt for me. Hollywood Steve finished first, and not for the first time, am I right, ladies? <laughs> there is indeed a drop of truth to that graffiti scrawled upon the walls of the third floor corridor girls' bathroom. All right, I got through it. You got through it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, apparently, I think I have maybe a, another couple left here. This is not what I was anticipating. Uncle Ben continued on his journey. And I have arrived <gasps> at... <laughs> Psych noob. Incredible, you almost produced a corporeal Patronus. This is excellent magic. So Whoa, are you right almost there, there, buddy? But young Ben persevered and found himself about to discover the form of his Patronus. Touch dragon release for your Patronus. Do it. Ooh, my Patronus is an Ibizan hound. Looks kind of like a, a greyhound, almost. Like, All right. Almost, almost like a, a Scooby-Doo dog, Man. almost. You know what I got, Ben? What'd you get? I got a Rottweiler. <laughs> Oh, you got the Roddy? <laughs> we both got dogs. Where my dog's at? <laughs> we can hang out with X now, dude. That's awesome. X gonna give them to us. <laughs> Look at that. 
But the joy of finding the forms of the Patronuses wouldn't content the boys for long when, as usual, they got sidetracked pursuing one of their bullshit stupid ideas again. I, I wonder if DMX is a Ravenclaw. If there was a YouTube series of like famous rappers finding out what Hogwarts house they oh were... Oh my god. I'd be way on board with that. Trademark dead and lovely. <laughs> yeah. But this is, of course, an impossible task, considering that the boys have no connections to the world of hip-hop. But I do know my buddy Gutter Bumpkin, a.k.a. DJ Lewis, who does some Gutter Billy rap. Gutter Billy? Yeah, on SoundCloud. I've mentioned it before. Go check it out. The interests of muggles are indeed... A curious and perplexing thing. That was a strange quiz. It was. It was not um, exactly what I thought it was going to be, but there's no reason to cut it, because uh, let people know, hey, sometimes things don't work out the way you thought they would. Prepare to be surprised, motherfucker. <laughs> With the deeply introspective task of discovering the form of the Patronus complete, the boys departed the preview palace and finally got to the point and started talking about the fucking movie. All right, the subject of our show today is Harry Potter 3, The Prisoner of Ass Cabin. And I, <laughs> I'm just going to keep going with it. Yeah. I'm going to assume this is not your first Rodeo watching no, this. No, but um, you know when my first Rodeo watching this was? When was in that? Russia, and I saw it in Russian, and I hadn't read the book. Wow. Yeah. That had to be a vastly different experience. It was. Guess what? It made more sense in Russian than it does in English, if you yeah? haven't read the book. Because I did see it in English again before i actually read the book and i was like i don't get this movie this movie is not for people who have not read the book no. although i do like to think that you have entered some kind of ultra rare new echelon of hipsterdom <laughs> <laughs> in terms of like you could be in the theater watching this next to some like potter fans like the book was so much better no. and then you're like the this, Russian version this, of the this movie. movie was better in Russian. <laughs> and it's like, damn, you are untouchably yeah. hip. My, wow. my mustache just twirls three times around. <laughs> and I tie him to the train tracks. Oh, wow. Call back from last week. <laughs> <laughs> better in Russian. So you, okay, so you did have the experience of seeing this before you read the book. Yeah. Now, it's a bad experience. It, it can't make sense. But, it I mean, can't possibly. My wife... And she also saw it without having seen the book and loved it. Well, see, I know tons of people that have. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is one of the most successful franchises in film history. Yes. And I know tons of people who have seen this and have not read the books. And I've never once heard any of them say, what was up with that third one? It didn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't under-fucking-stand. I don't dude, either. There is so much shit in this that can't make sense if you've not no, read the No, it's book, impossible to you know? comprehend what's going on. But it is. it looks great. It and does. It's, yes. it's got a it's lot got of merits. cool stuff to it. Yeah. And if you guys want to know our entire reading and watching history of the Harry Potter series, yeah, yeah. definitely check out the, especially the first Harry the Potter episode. The first one, episode. we got a lot into that. Yeah. Yeah. With our history with the franchise. And the second one is just a really silly, fun, mm -hmm. fun listen. And that first one is shit. also on YouTube if you want to watch oh, yeah, listen right. to it on YouTube. I'm going to put it up on there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so this obviously was not my first time either. I've seen it very, very many times. Mm. But kind of like what I was saying whenever we watched the second one, you know, the Harry Potter series is one of those things that I just habitually have on. Oh, yeah, I'll watch it anytime. If one of them's on, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it. Yeah, like I've got like the Blu-ray collection and stuff. And it's one of those things where if I just want to sit down and maybe string up a guitar or... Mm -hmm. Uh, answer emails or whatever. Movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's comforting. Yeah, it's one of those you just have on. You know what's happening. 
it looks cool whenever you look up familiar characters and places and locales. Yeah. But it had been a long time since I watched this for the sake of watching it. Yeah. I said the same thing about Chamber of Secrets whenever we did that one because it's like, God damn, that movie is almost three hours long. Yeah, everything in the book is in the movie, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so with this one, it had been quite some time since I actually did just sit down to watch it as a movie. And in my head going into it, I was like, okay, there's stuff in here that doesn't make it sense. That they don't explain and stuff, mm-hmm. but it's still cool and I still like it. I don't really know if I do. Why, yeah, this went down a bunch of notches I after so watching too. it three times uh, for me. Ooh, three times. I mean, this yeah. is a two hour and 20 minute Well, it's movie. still enjoyable. It's not, I mean, I don't like the it as much as I used to having watched it that many times, but like, I, if you turned it on right now, I'd watch it. Yeah, you don't fucking hate it. it. Right. Yeah, so that's what I did. I was just like, I'll just keep, I'll watch it again and again and again. Maybe I'll find something that that makes it all make sense and that I was always missing and I, I didn't. I just found more and more stuff that, that I was like, no, what? Why? Right. Yeah, I was hoping that I would also find little things where it's just like, oh no, they explained that. Mm-hmm. No, they don't. And there's actually even more stuff that yeah. kind of And I did, I did have the book from time to time just pulling it out like i get to read that chapter and see if that's what it was like in the book the shrieking shack specifically mm-hmm. i went and read that entire chapter the again con- confrontation at the end yeah right well that's the thing at the end actually the middle of the movie actually the middle yeah yeah no shit right <laughs> don't i don't the time travel in this we're gonna have to get deep into it oh, but i'll say up up top it's useless they should have never added no time travel into this Uh -uh, and this could have been easily solved with two spells petrificus totalis and then wingardia leliosum to peter pettigrew and you don't need time travel freeze him float him to the prison you don't need time travel yeah that's that's no reason for it that's not wrong yeah except to save buckbeak but you only put the buckbeak part in there to have the time travel make more sense yeah there's no reason for it why is buckbeak so important right yeah we see him once there's a cool flying scene i agree wow i would say also while flying on the back of a hippogriff like you do yeah it's cool but then attacks malfoy he gets the execution order and gets executed like what is that for except to just also make the time travel a little more meaningful mm-hmm. is to just be able to save Buckbeak. I mean, right. again, in the books, there's way more Buckbeak, way more hippogriffs in general. There's a whole lot more reasoning behind it. But in the movie, it's like, I don't know why this is happening. Right. And I'll clarify too, the third book is is one of my favorites. Oh, it's great. You know, it's I think awesome. that pretty much everybody loves the third book. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the third movie is a lot of people's favorites too. For yeah. reasons, some reasons I can understand. Yeah, I get some of it. But the third book is so cool because that's where you really start getting a little bit of a shift in tonality. I mean, you've yes. got the first book, which is definitely a kid's thing. Yeah. The second one does get a little darker. It gets darker. a little darker, yeah. Yeah, for a sure. lot of people say that those two are clones of each other in terms of tone no. it's like no it, no your body will rot in the chamber I mean, we're introduced to horcruxes though we don't know what they are jenny weasley possessed is and, possessed yeah. it's, it's crazy yeah. yeah there's some darker stuff in there and then the third one is where i think she starts more targeting more of a you know early teen audience yeah and gets a little bit darker with the content and stuff so mm. it made sense with this third movie for the tone of the movie to change as well and they got a new director. Yes, they did. Completely changed the look of everything. And I will say, I I think the change, although it was necessary, maybe did happen a little fast. Because one and two, 
really do feel identical as movies. Right, but this one is way different. Now, way different. I'm glad for yes. the change. Yeah, but it is a it is a radical departure. Very, very much mm-hmm. so. Yeah, because like when you think of any of the modern Harry Potter movies, they all kind of look they like follow, this one. Yeah, they follow Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, honestly, what should have happened is that two should have had more of a visual uh, and stylistic yeah. and tonal change, but they just they had to do them so fast they couldn't. Well, and also Christopher Columbus directed the first two, and I imagine there was some assumption with the studio that he would continue making them but he because of so much turnaround was just burnt out on it and remained on as a producer but you know they had to look for someone else but it seems like they did want to go darker and maybe it had that idea with the second one just didn't execute it because the people they brought in uh they they brought in Guillermo del Toro oh wow yeah um and he didn't want to do it because he said it was so bright and happy and full of light that he wasn't interested. <laughs> okay, Glenn Danzig, yeah. thank you. <laughs> they also brought in M. Night Shyamalan. Ooh, oh God, I'm glad that was, didn't work out. Who was uh, too busy because he was directing The Village. Who yeah. would he have put himself in this movie as? Oh gosh, it would have been terrible. Because he always sneaks himself into these movies. Yeah. I think he would have snuck himself in there as Buckbeak. <laughs> I'm not sure. using contractions like he does exactly right yeah. <laughs> hello w- harry potter it is me buckbeak i would not approach me if i were you draco malfoy <laughs> <laughs> it would not be advised i'm glad m knight's back but he did have he, he had some he had a, he had a lull spell there yeah he had a bit dry. okay so they thought about bringing him in that's an yeah. interesting choice they had some other people that were big names but the person they really aimed at was alfonso curon who had done uh, y tu mamba tambien? Yeah, it's surprising to me that they specifically were after him because he hadn't really done anything yeah. fantasy or dark young adult. Well, I mean, I guess Y tu mamba is kind of dark with it young adults dark. in it. Yeah, but it, it's yeah, it is a it's different. It's way different than what we get from him here. Yeah. But what we get from him here is much more like Children of Men or Gravity or any of those things where it, the darkness and the just absence he uses a lot of absence and emptiness i think that helps to make it feel uh the way it feels like there's so many shots like the one where hermione punches malfoy the humans in it are so small there's these big rocks and yeah, stone open space he's shooting from so far away and it, it just reminds you of like how idyllic the castle surroundings are and everything while the action is going on real small yeah yeah here. it's a little tiny tiny event yeah. happening on the grounds yeah and he brought along with him a lot of his signature camera work and stuff too mm-hmm. a lot of moving camera some yeah. really long shots in uh-huh. here uh, which are really cool and that's kind of a signature of his and I was really glad to see that change because those first two movies especially the second one just have some extremely dull just boring camera work in them yeah. where it feels like they just set the kids in front of a green yeah. screen put a camera dead on at them and just shot and didn't move the camera and if the camera was moving it was a full CGI thing like uh-huh. fucking Quidditch matches and stuff like that you know yeah. so I was happy to see them bring a more interesting cinematic style to this too Yeah, and he plays around with a lot of cool things in here there's all kinds of stuff he does with 
with reflections, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times where Harry is looking at his reflections in the, the mirror of the train, or the glass of the train car. Right. Or, or when he's looking out onto Diagon Alley, you can see him in, his, in the glass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He plays around with that stuff a lot. He even plays around with clocks and stuff a lot, which is, uh, is pretty fun. Like Towards yeah. the end of the movie, I noticed, right when they start doing the time travel stuff, uh, the camera like makes this big sweeping pass through that big clock at the front of the castle. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Just That's a cool shot. stuff like that. So I'm glad that he did bring along an interesting cinematic flair to this because I, I, I wouldn't have wanted to watch a whole bunch more that looked like those first two. They worked as children's movies mm. and stuff, but I couldn't imagine this movie looking like those first two did. Yeah, it would be bad. I, yeah. I feel like it wouldn't have been interesting at all. But the acting went up, too. The acting definitely got I better. I mean... I don't feel like Daniel Radcliffe got much better. <laughs> he's he's obviously improved a whole lot. Oh yeah, over, yeah he's but awesome. he's, he was a child. But Rupert Grant, Rupert Grant is so much more like in his element. It totally. seems like he Had he figured was, out his character a lot more. I think. Yeah, and that that actually I think I've talked about this before, but Alfonso Cuarón had the three main characters mm-hmm. write a character biography. And Rupert Grint didn't give him one, and he asked. He was like, "Hey, are you going to give me that, that character biography?" And he was like, "Ron wouldn't do it." And <laughs> Alfonso Cuarón's like, "You're a oh, genius. You know your character." Then. <laughs> so like, yeah, Rupert Grint was more himself, and then of course Emma Watson is so awesome in this. Yeah, like, she does. She does she a much, great. much, much, much better mm-hmm. job in this than than the other ones. Yeah, and I think just had more to work with too. She know? did. Yeah, there were. She was much more active in this than just yeah. being the smart one who gives them the information they need. Yeah, I was gonna say in the first two, she's really just kind of the know-it-all nerd right. that's like kind of overbearing and a little bit yeah. annoying, but with a heart of gold. Uh-huh. In this, it's like okay, you get to be a character now. Yeah, and, and a strong one. She knocks out Malfoy or punches Malfoy. Uh, Malfoy still not great. Tom Felton in this what? still just spitting those Tom on Felton. T- hey, Potter. <laughs> Everything he said, just spitting those lines He's out, man. so good at making me just, you know, think of the worst brattiest child and want to murder him. Yeah. I love that about him. The only times in this that I think he really does a pretty good job are when he's like a whiny little bitch. Like whenever he gets attacked right. by the hippogriff, he's like, oh. <laughs> or after he gets punched. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. Or yeah. He, there's a part in there where he's in the, the main hall and he's talking to some chick and he's like, they thought they were going to have to amputate yes. my arm. He's talking about Pansy Parkinson, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's pretty good stuff. Oh, Draco. But, like, angry Draco is still just spitting. Although, yeah. this time, he's got himself a smoking bowl. He, he traded does. in that slick oh, bag. That was sweet. Yeah, dude. Smoking bowl. The blonde bowl. The blonde bowl. Yeah, looking pretty fancy. Looking pretty fancy in here. <laughs> But yeah, he's better, but not not by much. But I would say most improved award I think goes to to Rupert Grant. Yeah, I yeah, think he definitely he, just had he becomes and he becomes like just even more comfortable as the movies progress. Like yeah. he just that is Ron is Rupert Grant. It was perfect casting. I feel. like. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The casting of the three kids, I honestly don't think they could have done yeah. much better. Dumbledore seems a lot different in this one. Oh, yeah, he looks like a new beard uh, he, does, or something. he doesn't look like a. a a skeleton with a little bit of skin drawn <laughs> over it. I I know that a lot of people today will say that they didn't like Michael Gambon. He's so angry, but in this movie, he's not. Yeah, and I went back and looked on Google for 2004 June through August and read through like some 
some message boards and reviews, and nobody seemed mad about Michael Gambon. You know, I'm one of those people that, and if you listen to our previous shows, you know, I've talked about how Michael Gambon is such an angry Dumbledore. That's what Emily thinks too, my wife. Yeah, because in my head, when I think of him, I think of Goblet of Fire. Uh Uh-huh. And he is very aggro and yeah, everybody's and angry aggro in, that. in Goblet of Fire. Yeah, they kind of are. It's so I because I watched it as well. Because <laughs> I mean, sleepaway camp. <laughs> the first time, the first time I watched this movie for this, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna watch four. Like, and watching it, I, I was like, "Everybody's so fucking aggressive and in your face all the time yeah. in that movie." <laughs> so yeah, I. I, I, that's where that started, yeah, I guess, but that's not his fault. I, that's the thing. is like yeah. In my head, I was thinking as soon as he showed up, he was all mean and angry. It's really only in yeah. four that it gets that yeah. way. The other one... He's funny and, and wacky in this one. He's he's better. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely better. I mean, he's not as like whimsical as what he is in the books, but neither was... Right. Uh, What's the guy that, that played the first one? Richard uh, uh, Richard Harris. Harris. He was never really as like silly and whimsical. No, as he was just. Like, I'm I'm old. Old. Yeah. And for whatever reason, Harry Potter was like best wizard of all time. Yeah, that guy. That's the guy. Don't fuck with my dude. Yeah, I've known about wizarding for all of you know. A month or two, yeah. But that guy, I can you talk tell. shit about Dumbledore. We're gonna oh, have on. You gonna you're gonna catch one of these uh-huh. and the other one right here. Talk about right and left fist. Boom! You're gonna get them. Get these hands. <laughs> but yeah, like the Dumbledore in the movies, no matter who is playing him, is never really exactly right. Dumbledore in the book mm-hmm. always had a lot more whimsy and humor and just quirkiness about yeah. him that never really comes through. I think that they wouldn't have written that in no matter who was playing him. I don't think you can just yeah. say it's Michael Gambon's fault. But yeah. I think that he did a good job in this one and he doesn't seem too fucking mean and shitty or just too no. much like a decrepit old man. Right. Yeah, I, I think he's fine and I think everybody seemed to agree then. It's four that made people mad. Yeah. But in general, everybody was mad in that. So of course you leave feeling mad. Sure. Yeah. And we also got ourselves uh, some new characters showing up this time. Yeah. Of course, pretty and much some every great actors. Yeah. 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 Pretty much every entry in the franchise introduces some new characters, but in this one we get some fan, some fan favorites. We got old Remus Lupin. Yeah. Whose name just kind of screams, I'm "I a am a werewolf." But it was his name before he was a werewolf. <laughs> That is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. I guess, when you name your kids. It would have like made that. more sense if instead of him being accidentally turned into a werewolf, if he came from a werewolf family. Yeah. And it was just like a known thing. Yeah, that is just kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, like I mean, only our, because... Our family name is, You could have just given him, given him a name that wasn't, I'm, I'm a werewolf. Like, Remus Mann. How about that? <laughs> Remus is like, you know, Romulus and Remus. Yeah. You know? So again, it's Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Wolf Wolfman is wolf, kind of wolf his man. name. <laughs> that'd, that'd be a good name. Yes. So, a wolf who gets bitten by a werewolf. So when, Oh, man. So look on out. the full moon, he turns into a werewolf or a werewolf wolf. Whoa. <laughs> because that's the thing is like with a werewolf, it's got man characteristics because it was a man to begin with. Yeah. Is this a wolf with more wolf? It's got extra wolf. wolf. Yeah, it's like just super wolf. Ah. But it also stands on its hinders. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I can't remember guy's name that plays Lupin. 
don't look to me. He's Aries and Wonder Woman. It's that I guy. Di- I didn't write his name down, and I feel like a dummy. I'm gonna look it up here. Okay, while we chat. so I think he's good casting. Oh uh, yeah, I think he's wonderful because he he has he does that like beaten kind of shabby like, shabby look that is described in the books. He does it so well, and uh, you also like I I almost immediately you like him. Yeah, when you see his face, just like he seems like. A nice dude. Yeah, he's definitely very likable. David Thewlis. Thewlis. Is that right? T-H-E-W-L-I-S? Thewlis. Thewlis. I'll say Thewlis, yeah. Cthulhu. Oh, he's Cthulhu? Yeah, it's Cthulhu. Uh, all right. Well, I know, the that explains some things. I did away. feel like pure madness while seeing him on screen. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's right. Well, he does a really good job, like you said, of being lovable while also being kind of like a little shitty and beat down and wore mm-hmm. out looking. And I got to say, I really like the way that they kind of portray the werewolfism in this, too, where mm. you can tell, like, as those, as those moon cycles are getting closer, he kind of starts yes. to seem more shabby, right. kind of run down and stuff, almost like it's a, like a monthly disease or something. Yeah, it's like he's having his period. Yeah. Go back and check out our Dog Soldiers episode where I talk about werewolves. Werewolves and periods. <laughs> But I do like him a lot in this. I think that was some good casting. What about old Professor Trelawney, our new fortune-telling divinations teacher? She's awesome. She's played by... Oh, shit. Uh, IMDb to the rescue. Fucking hell, why didn't I write those names down? <laughs> I should know it I should know her head. name, yeah, yeah anyway. She's one of those, like, five British Emma Thompson, god damn it. Damn you it. got it so for dumb. IMDb. Very good. Yeah, I my think brain she's finally great, said dude. it to me. And the way that they did her costuming and stuff is nah, awesome, too. She's great. It's just all, like... She plays that... Scarves and shawls and yeah. big glasses that make her eyes look huge. Yeah, she, she plays that, your aunt, who's really into... Teas and crystals. and crystals and stuff. Yeah, definitely perfect. <laughs> Just nailed it. Huge Stevie Nicks fan, uh, Professor yeah. Trelawney. <laughs> Clearly a huge she, fan, man. She looks like a swamp witch. Yeah, <laughs> so I like her in there a lot. Of course, you know the biggest attraction here we got is Sirius Black, played by Gary Oldman. Yeah, great. Love Gary Oldman, and um, I don't love Sirius in this one, honestly. Yeah, because we only get to see him. As like crazy serious, and then like for a second he's like, "Oh hey Harry, what's up? We're like friends now, right?" And then yeah, they're friends. The end. That's Kinda all we it. get out of him. Yeah, honestly, serious to me in the movie is pretty underused. Yeah, because like you've got him in this where he's you know mainly kind of the bad guy for a lot of the movie. In the next yeah. one, he appears as a face in fire. And that's, that's it. it. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you get to like the fifth one, he's that's already he kind of just like skilled. Yeah, and the whole movie he's, for a fifteen-year-old book. Yeah. And the whole movie, he's kind of just like sulky and sullen and like, I have to be stuck in this house. This sucks. Yeah. Like, you never really get to love that character. No, I would much you? at all, you know? Yeah, but in the books, people go gaga for serious. I got to tell you, man, Gary Oldman is a, a, a treasure of acting. He's great. He is fucking awesome. He yeah. has been in so many incredible roles and has just been a chameleon mm. His entire career, from yeah. him being that thug dude in True Romance to, <laughs> of course, yeah, fucking Dracula, yeah, Fifth Element dude, your uh, favorite. Oh yeah, but also, <laughs> I mean, you know, the the in the Batman movies, I him as Jim Gordon seems perfect. Oh, to me. dude, he was so good at Jim yeah. Gordon, totally, totally awesome. I will tell you what, though, to be completely honest, I don't really think he was a good choice for Sirius Black. Oh yeah, yeah. Like okay. to me, Sirius Black always read as being more like a a brother type. 
Well, I think more like a, a, a sallow, thin rock star, young, yeah. suave guy. And you, you don't think Gary Oldman has that? I just am mad they didn't <laughs> cast me. Oh, okay. Is what I'm saying. I think I could oh, have wait. done well. Are you are you on the Johnny Depp camp? You wanted more Johnny Depp in the, the Harry Potter I movies? Would, oh, fuck me, dude. Absolute truth. I had every interest in seeing a sequel to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them while watching that first one. Until the end, when they revealed that Johnny Depp, I was like, no, I was just fucking. I don't want to fucking watch Johnny Depp doing a British accent. I'm not interested, <laughs> dude. Whenever we watched that in the theaters, that got to the very end, and there's that so reveal. I'm trying to Kate, and I'm like, is that Johnny Depp? Yeah. Why? What a dumb fucking reveal. Yeah. It's yeah. Sad. I haven't seen that second one either. I heard it's interesting. I heard that they reveal that yeah. Nagini is a Korean woman. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> that is interesting. Okay, I will watch it, but I, I'll just, I don't know, bite down on a stick whenever yeah. I see Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> Which also makes Neville Longbottom a murderer. Oh, shit. <laughs> Neville killed a Korean woman killed with a, a Korean sword. With a sword, I guess. But yeah, I still, I will watch that second one, but I will not like old fuck off Depo in there. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just, it ruined it for me. Yeah. Because I... I liked everything else about it. Yeah. I thought it was a fun movie. Anyway. But I think that somebody else that was just kind of like younger and more handsome and okay. more rock starry could have been serious. I mean, Russell Brand. Uh, Russell Brand. Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like Gary Oldman at this point, you know, he was probably at least 40 something, maybe mid 40s or mm-hmm. so. He's yeah. not a handsome guy per se. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a good looking dude. He's just, I mean, he's not like. He's not Brad Pitt. He's just a regular good-looking dude. Yeah. 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 And I just don't think I really liked him casting that part. Okay. I think that he should have been a little younger, a little... Not closer to Harry's age, obviously. Right. But definitely not just like somebody who could have been Harry's dad. Hmm. You know what I mean? And he does look a lot like Post Malone in this movie. He does. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Why did they put prison tats on him? At He's covered point, up in prison tats, yeah. Yeah, like, is that a thing in Azkaban? They put prison tats on you? What kind of prison wine do you think they make in Azkaban? <laughs> I'd assume, like, just... Regular they, toilet wine? Yeah, I was going to say, they don't have their <laughs> wands or anything. Like, just regular old toilet wine. Put, put a bunch of sugar and juice in a plastic bag, pee on it. For several days. Right. Keep it warm. And then boom, you got prison line. <laughs> and you think that's what they're rocking over there yeah. in Azkaban? I think so. I think I bet he and Bellatrix Lestrange probably had uh. some drunken conversations through a, uh. a wall. Like, fuck you, Bellatrix. I think we need to just <laughs> have more information about Azkaban prison culture. That would be... In- Dude, okay. The whole time last night watching it with Emily, uh, I kept saying like, she and I've said this on the podcast before. She needs to license out the totally. series and let a bunch of other authors flesh a lot of this stuff out. She can have final say. She can have absolute editorial say on it, one hundred percent. And it would be awesome. It would be like the Forgotten Realms series or whatever, where you know you have so many different authors working off of this one shared universe, mm-hmm. or like. Marvel or whatever. Totally, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could easily turn this into It'll so many interesting things. I, I hope so. I really think so. I just await a night, you know, where J.K. Rowling has been up. Maybe it's like four in the morning. She's had like two or three bottles of wine in uh-huh. her, And she just starts tweeting stuff about like Azkaban prison sex and yeah. stuff. <laughs> 
just gets like really weirdly graphic about awesome. it. You know, it's like, well, the Dementors can't see anything. So, you know, I want to know about it. I want to know about yeah, it. Yeah, I would too. Um, speaking, we should uh, deal with J.K. Rowling real quick. Listen, J.K. <laughs> Listen here, Joe. <laughs> Tell um, me about her. So, just recently, there was a, a pretty popular blog post um, that claimed that J.K. confirmed her stance against transgender women. Okay. Now, that's an outlandish title. That's clickbaity. Unless... It has some point where she says in like a tweet or something like, I am against transgender women. In which case it would be like, yeah, that that title, absolutely correct. But it does uh, pull out some things about how she has liked some tweets that are anti-transgender women. And she does follow a person who is extremely anti-transgender woman. And she only follows 700 people. Really? So there's a bit of that there. It's not confirmed. For sure, that's a clickbaity title, but it's, I mean, hmm. there's some shittiness there for sure. Interesting. And she has also said that Harry Potter would um, agree with her stance on Israel and Palestine. That's, that, again, that is the dumbest fucking yeah. commentary yeah. humanly possible. Yeah. My fictional character that I created would agree with yeah. me. Yeah. But that's she dumb. does a lot of great things. Uh, I'm not excusing anything if she is anti-transgender woman, that's fucking bullshit it's it's absolute uh, yeah, who cares? cowardice yeah. but she seemingly is a good person but i started thinking about this and i came to the conclusion for myself that i don't think children's authors have any more responsibility to be good people than any other author hmm oh so, so you're saying people have the the higher moral standard yeah. because you're making stuff for kids yeah okay well, why does that matter Right, yeah, you're still it's an adult. It's the product the kid gets that matters. Mm-hmm. And if the kid gets a product that's not saying, the Palestinians deserve this, or, <laughs> like, if that's not part of it, if it, and this, I think these books have good moral center that says a lot of great stuff and teaches uh, kids how to be, you know, brave and heroic and to believe in your friends and all that good stuff yeah well i'm looking forward to your review of her next children's book let's bomb syria (laughs) oh shit (laughs) but i i that made me actually think about there are two guys that i know of i'm just gonna go ahead and ruin some people's childhoods maybe Uh they're two children's authors who definitely said and did some shit that were pretty terrible. Well, hang on, dude. If you're telling me I can't trust the secret lives of children's authors, what's next? I can't trust the clergy, my politicians? What's next? <laughs> yeah, I am saying that. Where's the um, skeletons in these closets in, Steve? So, Dr. Seuss. Okay, Dr. Go ahead. Giselle. Just start in on Dr. Seuss. I've heard some unsavory things so about he the was, guy. He was a... Uh, a bit of a womanizer. I have he, heard that. Yeah, he I think Beyonce cheated. wrote a song about him. She did. It's about she Dr. Did. Seuss, womanizer. Uh-huh. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be the that would be the fucking coolest thing that in the really world. Would if be. Womanizer was yes. about if Dr. Beyonce Seuss. was like, how'd y'all know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Theodore Giesel. He cheated on his wife at the age of sixty-four. Oh wow, that with is a old. married woman twenty years younger than him. His wife committed suicide out of shame and embarrassment, and he immediately married the other woman and sent her kids from her previous marriage off to boarding school. Oh, oh, that's shitty. That's shitty. I would not like him in a car. I I wouldn't like him from afar. But that's the thing. Dr. Seuss, 
also he was a strong anti-hitler guy well before Very much, yeah. yeah like he did so many great things it's like when we consider people's personal lives in relation to a fantastical product they've made that means a lot to us and shit that means yeah. a lot to us like i don't know does it it's a it's a hard ground yeah. it's like I, I hate to break it to you people but like led zeppelin Horrible Assholes. people, Terrible. fucking horrible Terrible. people. Some Michael of the best Jordan, music ever asshole. made. Asshole. Yeah, apparently we were talking about this I didn't know about it. Yeah, check stuff. out Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame acceptance speech, yeah? where he basically just talks shit about everybody he used to play against. No way, yeah. really? Yeah. Damn, dude's dude. an asshole. I mean, the Beatles all have some very oh, bad God, stories. Oh God, yeah. About John them. Lennon was a, a, Ooh, a, a wife, wife beater, abuser. Man. Yeah, yeah, total wife beater mm-hmm. stuff. I have to mention this one though because this is the one that was hard for me to then say like. Oh, no. Is this acceptable? Roald Dahl. Okay, a Willy Wonka. He was also a womanizer. Had sex with tons of other married women and cheated on his wife and, and whatnot. But what is the worst part is that he was an avowed anti-Semite. Whoa! Didn't know that. And uh, I just got to read this quote. Oh, just, no. This is gonna... Is this like Rudyard Kipling level? No. Because <laughs> that's bad. Um, It's real, real bad, though. Oh, no. So he told a journalist in 1983, there is a trait in the Jewish character that does provoke animosity. Holy shit. I mean, there's always a reason why anti-anything crops up anywhere. <laughs> Let's check this out. What? Even a stinker like Hitler didn't just pick on them for no reason. Holy shit. So he's blaming the Jews for the Holocaust. 1983? 1983. Because, like, when you were saying that, I was like, oh, man, product of his times being surrounded by this stuff. No. It's like, no, you're talking like 40 yeah. years after World War II. He's so, like, maybe he wasn't all wrong, this Hitler guy. Uh huh. BFG, Whoa. Willy Wonka. Like, how much of that bleeds into there? I wonder. Because, no kidding. Because so much of J.K. Rowling's act, like her very active political tweeting and and you know uh, donating and and being part of charitable and political causes, so much of that is in the books Harry Potter, and it's positive. But does any of her negative stuff bleed in? Like, Makes you wonder. Yeah. Well, she hates blonde people. We know that. Yeah. She's That's anti-Aryan, true. I think. Anti-Aryan. What a <laughs> what an absolute ass. <laughs> J.K. Rowling is anti-Aryan. <laughs> she doesn't like Nazis. Hey, man, you can't help if you're born with blonde hair and blue eyes. That's true. You, you can't know? help it if you're an asshole. <laughs> true story. Most Slytherins don't seem to mind being an asshole. I'd heard lots of stories, too, about, uh, what's his name? Alice in Wonderland. Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll. Yeah. Apparently, he was just a pedophile. Like, Have you ever Maybe. seen any, any of his art? work and stuff yeah yeah but that that wasn't just him that was actually a popular thing in the victorian age there was a, a, a what child pornography yes uh, <laughs> oh, but uh. it wasn't it wasn't considered porn it was like a celebration they there was a was it though? A, a cult of the child where people had started to romanticize childhood because before the victorian age children were just tre- treated like adults and so it was like yeah go get a job you can walk you work like right and then this there oh, was celebrate their innocence. Yeah, there was a period where they started celebrating this innocence. It's following up on the romantic ideals and stuff. And uh, they're celebrating the innocence. And then basically that turned into celebrating their bodies. I was going to say, I, I can't imagine this innocence lasting long. Yeah, it's... I mean, 
that's the excuse. I'm not giving that excuse. That's the yeah, excuse yeah, yeah. you'll see in any Lewis Carroll biography or any uh, commentary about his his life. But I think a lot of it had to do with wanting to fuck children. It looked to me like yeah. he hung around naked kids a lot. J.M. Barry was definitely a molester. He wrote yeah. Peter Pan. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, Ch- man. <laughs> you watched that Finding Neverland? Uh huh. Boy, it wasn't that sweet and innocent. His Probably connection not. with that family. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, one of the boys ended up killing himself. Oh. And it's believed because of his trauma as a child of being busted by J.M. Barry. Damn. So, Peter Pan, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, and then... Who would have thought the guy who idealized childhood and imagined a boy who never grew up was a child molester? Impossible. (laughs) Impossible. But enough about Michael Jackson. Right? Moving on. Moving on. That's ignorant. (laughs) You're being ignorant. Uh, Other new character we got in here, Peter Pettigrew, although you don't really learn shit about him or really hear him talk or anything. Yeah, his name is said a couple of times, and we see that he's mysteriously on the the map, but the Marauders map. But we don't know anything about him other than that. Do they even say in the shack that he was responsible for the? Yeah, they say he was responsible for the deaths of uh, Harry's parents. Right? Yeah, but they don't even remotely go into why. They don't go into it all at that all. they ever yeah. say is Peter Pettigrew betrayed his parents. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Well, they don't get into the Fidelis charm at nope. all. In None these. of the Secret yeah. Keeper stuff at all. Which, here's the thing that's dumb about that. So, one of my, my big issues, and we'll talk about, we got a lot of issues with this fucking movie, but a big issue here is that you never understand why Peter Pettigrew is such a horrible person, or what his betrayal of right. Harry's parents meant. He was their secret keeper, which is this very special spell where mm-hmm. you know you you cast it among that group of people, and you're the only one that can tell the secret, and it yeah. keeps him safe, and blah blah blah. Yeah, and of course the secret keeper is someone you trust to not tell anyone. Yeah, yeah, and. Later on, even in the movie series, they do the Fidelis charm. Yes. So they bring it up then, as uh-huh. if you should know about this already. Uh-huh. So it's almost like in this movie, they were just trying to write that out, and then it, it ended up coming back. Yeah, I read about the decisions that Steve Clove made. Steve Clove, who wrote um, seven out of eight of the Harry Potter movies. Wow. He did not write The Order of the Phoenix. Okay, the fifth one. But he... They they really wanted him to focus on character development of our main three characters now that okay. mission accomplished. Were, yeah, now that they're a bit older and better actors. And wanted and look, you have to remember that the fifth book was already out by this time. Yeah. And so they wanted to start leaning towards where the story was going in the books. So you see like Ron and Hermione, like the handhold thing, or uh-huh. where she like hugs Ron. Like, that was already sort of set up in the fifth book, so they knew it was going that way, so they started setting up here, but that wasn't in any of the books. They were basically using this as a transition movie. Definitely. And they sacrificed a lot to make what did work. I mean, it absolutely worked. People loved it. So they they did the job they wanted to do. Apparently. It just didn't make a great movie, which is why I think these movies need to be remade. Because if you could make these movies knowing the entire story, then you can very selectively choose, and you could split some of those up into two movies. Yep. 
I Absolutely mean, so, the dude. fifth book is the longest book. It's gigantic, and it's the shortest movie. Shortest movie, yeah. It makes no sense. That thing gets shredded to pieces, yeah. too. It's still a pretty good movie, though. I like that so fifth you movie say, pretty I'll, well. I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. Thank you. I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, Pettigrew in this, like I said, you never really find out what is going on with him. You never find out yeah. about the whole, it wasn't serious that betrayed his family. You never right. find out, really. I don't know. Do you ever even find out that Pettigrew's a Death Eater? No. No. Like, I don't think there's any mention of that. There's no mention of it whatsoever. Which I do enjoy in this movie and in this book that it is Voldemort free. Like, there's not right, any Voldemort Right, this is the only... It's only one. The only one that is absolutely Voldemort free. Yeah. Which shows you that you can just have these fun little side quest Harry Potter, Wizarding World of Harry Potter stories. Exactly, that yeah. That are self-contained You and can have fun. so much more... I mean, because the... What is it? The... The Cursed Child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that. That was interesting. He says, all right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but again, okay. that's all connected to Harry. It could be connected to anybody. It doesn't even have to be yes. connected to any characters we know of. Not at all. Which is why I liked Fantastic Beats, uh, Beasts and Where to Find Them up until the Johnny Depp part. Because yeah. it was like, oh, <laughs> this is expanding the world. And, you know, we're hearing about somebody we had heard the name of, Newt Scamander. Mm-hmm. But now we're seeing his adventures. That's fun. Yeah, and wizarding around the world. <laughs> That's it. I'm very okay with that. Yeah. For sure, man. Now, another area of this that is completely not explained whatsoever fucking ever is the Whomping Willow and the Shrieking Shack. Let's yeah. talk about this shit. Because honestly, like, this movie's... Essentially, the entire themes of this story are Lupin. Yes. Wormtail, Sirius. Yeah, this is really about expanding who the the original order of the phoenix were we don't know that they were the phoenix but it's harry learning about his family yeah, and their he's friends. learning all these things and and it's expanding the wizarding world too it's giving us depth to it more yeah. than just their families out there and the kids are here and we don't really know much about them we see them on holidays but yeah in this it's like no this is this is uh, the friends of your dad and your mom and yeah they you know, one of them betrayed him, and this is a huge deal. Because if you think but about none it, of that really comes out. No, because if you think about it, in the first two stories, all that Harry knows of his parents is that they died. You uh-huh. know, uh, saving him. him. Yeah, and then pretty much the only person that he knows that talks about his parents is Snape, and he's like, "Your parents were fucking dickheads." Right. So in this movie, it's like Harry meets this other teacher that is very yeah. nice and comes into his life and cares about him automatically because he was one of his dad's friends. Yeah. Well, Snape is absolutely right, though, that James Potter it was really a dickhead. It really seems that way. And I, I, I legitimately hate how much father worship Harry has. Totally blind this. father worship, too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's ridiculous to me. Like My father didn't strut. Yeah, he's got this like know? romanticized idea of this person he knows nothing about. Yeah, to, uh, and he's and, telling that to this guy that his father used to like torment and bully. And right, shit. he didn't know, but he gets from tons of people telling him how great his mom was, and he's never like, "I missed my mom. I bet she was the best." <laughs> he's like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, but my dad, right? Yeah, my dad saved me with that stag thing. He's so cool. Yeah." yeah. Yeah, that's true. It seems like he is constantly looking for his dad everywhere. Yeah, really. Well, no I mean, of Lily. expecto patronum, expect the father. That's that's what it is. Like, <laughs> like the entire setup oh, is shit. for that. But in the expect in the books, the in the books, that makes more sense. But in the movie. It's just this wild idea that he has suddenly that he's like, that must be my dad. <laughs> like, I think he learns that his dad's 
he his Patronus is like his dad's Patronus, or is he learns that his dad's Patronus was a stag from Remus when Remus is teaching him about the Patronus, but it, he never actually casts a full one, so he doesn't know you know that his is also a stag, so he assumes that's his dad in the books. Right. In the movie, it's just like, that must be my daddy. He's the best. <laughs> he doesn't strut ever. <laughs> hmm. Never strutting dad. And th- again, as uh, we were talking about this when we were preparing for the episode, the fact that he is not more obsessed with his mother makes no sense to me. Everyone who he meets tells him how awesome his mother was, and he doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah, he's he just kind of obsessed with his with his dad. Yeah, like it really should have been expecto maternum and like him obsessing <laughs> over his mother and like it, you know him having the same uh, patronus as, as as Lily would have been interesting. But of course, they saved that for Snape, and that was actually really awesome. Yeah, it was. That, that was later on. Snape, really fucking awesome. Yeah, man. it's really cool. Oh man, all that Snape stuff towards the end is just yeah. He's crushing. I, he's awesome. one of the most interesting characters in the books for sure. And yeah, I would definitely. love to get just a a book of background, like some more. Like, why was he a part of the Death Eaters? Like, what got him going? Was it just that he was bullied and like they picked up on the the bullied kind of like you know yeah, white supremacists do? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd love to know more about that. So in the books, the whole connection of, you know, again, Sirius and Lupin and Snape and Pettigrew and mm-hmm. Harry's dad, them being connected with the Whomping Willow and the Shrieking Shack, right. it's all explained in a way where it's right. like, okay, so... They planted we, the Whomping Willow to protect the way to the Shrieking Shack so Remus could go to the Shrieking Shack when he became a werewolf. To have somewhere to change, yeah. Yeah. And I think they explained, like, he was attacked by Fenner Greyback yes. or somebody. Gray, I think Greyback, yeah. Because Greyback is, like, the, the villainous werewolf. werewolf, yeah. Yeah. And in this, it's just like, I don't know, he's a werewolf because. Yep. That's just enough. Is. Yeah, he just is. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And in this movie, you never find out anything about why no. the Whomping Willow is planted, why there's a yeah. Shrieking Shack. You never even fucking find out who and the Womp- Mooney, Padfoot, Prongs, right. Wormtail are. They don't are. even talk about that. They don't talk about how Sirius became an Animagi. Animagi? An- an- Animagi? Animagus. Animagus. Yeah. Let's go with that. Uh, you never even find out that, that he learned how to transform into, transform into a dog, and Pettigrew learned how to transform into a rat, and his dad learned to transform into a stag. Yeah. So that they all... could be around Lupin when he transformed. Right. That's Nothing all explained in the book. But here's the thing. If you're going to just throw all that information away, why have it included that whenever Harry gets the Marauder's Map, it's like by Messrs, Wormfoot, uh, right, Wormfoot, just don't Wormtail, even show that. Padfoot, and Prongs. Yeah, it's like, who, well, who the fuck is that now? I don't think it ever gets explained in the movies it at all. It doesn't, no. Yeah. And here's the thing. Like, okay, even with even just like two or three lines. Right. You could at least plant some seeds of exposition where you could figure this out. Mm -hmm. Where, okay, like let's say the whole movie you'd been like, well, man, who is this Padfoot and Prongs that made this crazy map and stuff, right? Yeah. And then later on at the Shrieking Shack, whenever Sirius and Lupin are reunited, they're like, how's it going, Padfoot? I'm pretty good, Mooney. Yeah. And you're like, oh, they made the map. Exactly. It would just take one or That's two it. fucking lines. All you'd have to do is, uh, you know, maybe you could cut that choir performance that was useless. Oh, my God, dude. Fucking yeah. so pointless. Yeah. Or That's 30 seconds right there. That's yeah, enough to get out enough. a few lines uh, and 
fully explain it. Yeah. Or the the damn scene of them like trying out uh, animal candies and stuff. Uh, just that was so just to sell forced. those birdie bots beans. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That's the only reason that's in there. It was so They lame did the same forced, thing with the man. chocolate frogs. Like they made actual chocolate frogs. So they had to include it in the movie. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the way that this whole thing works is, you know, towards the end, the the big black shaggy dog we've been seeing mm-hmm. the whole movie, who is acting highly aggressive for yeah. no reason other than being No misleading. reason also bites Ron's ankle. Like, Why does he drag Ron off? Okay, Ron yeah. has scabbers, mm-hmm. but Sirius, as the dog, grabs Ron, drags mm-hmm. him into under the tree. Yeah, why not go for... The, the the rat maybe but i think i think in the book that like he's trying to be real gentle and so by taking ron in there and then turning into human he can convince him to release peter Pettigrew instead of potentially biting off his hand it's a little bit of a stretch it's a little bit it of is a stretch. bit it is a bit of a stretch but in the movie you're not even given that oh you're not giving explanation yeah. you know and they go into the whomping willow yeah and then suddenly they're in the shrieking shack yeah <laughs> And this whole shakedown goes on where you find out yeah. who's who. The fuck? Why? Like, and if we you're saw the shrieking sack earlier when they went to Hogsmeade, so we know it's not just there, right? But when you see Harry fly in, he's basically right there at the shrieking shack. Yeah, it's crazy. It makes no sense. Like, if you're watching this movie without reading the books, you have to be like, "What? Why, the fuck? why is there a tunnel under this tree that goes to this haunted shack? Yeah, that looks like it's on a tugboat." <laughs> <laughs> I love the that effect. It did look though, good. The shrieking shack. Yeah, all yeah, the doors really are cool. like blowing around and yeah, stuff all the time. Moving. It looked like it was on a, a moving boat. Yeah, to it me. was cool. But that doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense unless no. you explain why there's that tunnel, why the shrieking shack, why people think it's haunted is because Lupin would be in there howling and going crazy because he was a werewolf. Right. Instead, you're, you're just treated to that line like three times in the movie. Oh, you know it's the most haunted shack in London. Oh, you know it's the most haunted shack in all of England. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know it's haunted. Yeah. Is it? No. I guess. Yeah. They keep telling me it is. There's no evidence of it, but okay. It makes no sense, dude. Yeah. It makes zero sense. Yeah, that is... I became very disappointed with this movie, for sure. Yeah. Because I... The book is good. It's a real good book, and it could have been adapted. I, I get what they were doing. I think they must have done some real smart research, figuring out how they could translate everything from the gold that Christopher Columbus covered everything in to this darker thing and develop the characters so that we're more interested in the future films. But if they just focused a little bit more on making sure that this bit all came together, I would have enjoyed it. Considering it's like kind of a major, major, huge crux of the book. Yeah. Yeah. They maybe should have put a little bit of attention. Yeah. And explaining who made the Marauders map, who made the Shrieking Shack, and why it's connected to the Whomping Willow, and why mm. the Willow is even there to begin with. Yeah, because that that like I was talking to Emily when I think when we were preparing for the second one, and I was like, "Wait a second, because I couldn't remember why would they put a dangerous fucking tree that tries to kill anything near it on the." I think parents School would grounds? want to know about it. There's not even a yeah. fence around the damn yeah. thing. Yeah, and Emily reminded me, like, yeah, that remember that's how they... You wouldn't know that from yeah. the movies. But you wouldn't know that from the movies, yeah. No, uh-uh, not at all. Yeah, just just really, really strange that they decide to leave that stuff out. Yeah. I don't really understand how you read the source material and you're like, 
I don't know. I don't think that stuff's important. Leave that out. Yeah. I also feel like the Hagrid parts, the Hagrid parts with Buckbeak just don't... They don't feel like they're important mm-hmm. at all. But in the movie, like, they're real important because these kids really care about Hagrid. It's Hagrid's his first time teaching bar- a class and shit. Yeah, ha- Hagrid's barely on. He stands up at the table. He teaches his first class and he's there at the... Ex- or they have the skipping rock scene right. where he tells, tells them about, about the sentence, execution yeah. and then the sentence. Like, it's just not enough for us to care about that B story. No, not really at all. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree with that too. Now, this movie does also introduce the whole Animagus. Am I saying yeah. it right? Animagus, yeah. Animagus. Fuck, man. I keep I, thinking I'm saying it my wrong. My wife and I are fostering a cat whose name is Animagus. Oh, wow. Yeah, we so call you're her an, Annie. you're an authority. Oh, yeah, she, well, that's how she pronounces it. So. so I can't say that this introduces it because in the very first movie, we have McGonagall transforming into a cat. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. in this movie, it's kind of put out there that like, no, this is a specific form of magic yeah. and it has to be registered and, right. and so on. Well, it's not really put out there in the movie anyway. It's just like some people can turn into animals. That's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, also makes it more confusing about the werewolf thing. It's like, is he a werewolf or does he change into that? There's no clear right. uh, delineation yeah. between the two. We just get told werewolf. So, but like, but is that different than an animagus? But there's really, no, there's no backstory in this as to why he's a werewolf so werewolf but what we should be asking is why wolf why wolf oh wow that's deep so i got to thinking about the whole animagus thing and how you have these adult wizards that can transform themselves into an animal of their choosing whatever they want to turn back to human and stuff and it couldn't help but get my imagination going thinking about the possibilities (laughs) of the crazy weird sex stuff that might go on (laughs) With people that can turn into animals, okay? And now that I've put that out there, I know your mind is racing. Yeah, and you're it thinking is. I was of the thinking of all the possibilities immediately. Just like, yep, yep. I know, mm-hmm. I know. A lot of things are starting to make sense. We talked before about how we think Filch is fucking that cat. Oh, yeah, for sure he's fucking that cat. But I think that it might be that he found a partner that just liked being fucked as a sexy kitty. I always, showing his little butthole, I always little thought his cat was going to be revealed to be Same. an animagus who maybe got stuck that way or something. I think it's a person that likes it that way. All right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who loves kitty? Oh, God. <laughs> Walter Frey fucking a cat. <laughs> Jesus. But it's actually a willing participant person. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's not necessarily I mean, okay, bestiality. Yes. Okay, fine. Actually, I will say that for sure. That if humans could turn into animals, it would be fine if other people fucked them. Exactly. If they were willing if participants. If they were willing participants, that's fine. Is it bestiality? No, because they're a human who's just in a form of an animal. They don't actually turn into a, a cat. They're in the form of a cat. Okay. All right. So, yeah, it. it's fine. <laughs> I don't know what weirdo wants to do that, but if you want to do it and make magic real, okay. Weirdo. But got me thinking of fucking things. animals. You know where it's like, do you think that there's ever like a couple of wizards that are animagus that... Like I would assume turn into their animal selves and like bang. That's what I imagine. That's how Tonks got pregnant. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, she could turn into anything. I bet yeah, things she was got, a polymagus. Yeah. I bet things got fucking freaky in yeah. that scenario. Like right he there. turned into a werewolf, so she'd have to turn into an animal so he wouldn't attack her. I bet they got freaky. <laughs> Just two animals exploring each other. Yeah, she's a platypus. 
Do you think she could do several animals at once? Whoa! She could be like a crazy mytho- mythological creature. Yeah, centaurs. Yeah, you know? I bet a werewolf would love to fuck a centaur. I think so. I think so. <laughs> but you know, it makes me wonder too if there's ever times where, like, you know. Maybe when it's like maybe a wizard's birthday, and he's like, "Do you think you can be the rabbit tonight?" Oh no! Oh. <laughs> but just because it's your birthday, yeah, you, I guess <laughs> it's a once a year. Fine. I turn into a rabbit, and you have sex with me. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you gotta wonder these yeah, things. Yeah, you do. You I do. think it's pretty rational to be curious about these. Absolutely. Things. But it also got me wondering too if there's ever any <laughs> if there's ever any teachers that are maybe just real freaks about it mm-hmm. that maybe the other kids don't even know that they're you know that they can turn into animals and right. stuff. Like what got me thinking about this is there's there's animals all throughout this movie. Right. Aunt Marge and her dogs at uh-huh. the first of the movie. Yeah, we got Crookshanks, we got uh, yeah scabbers, scabbers. Yeah. All throughout the movie, there's birds, there's rabbits, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And I was thinking frogs like, in the choir. Scene. Yeah, that yeah. was weird. Yeah, it got me kind of thinking like. Do you think that there's ever a time maybe where like Harry has just walked to, uh, you know, potions class or something like that? And he's like, Oi, Ron, I saw something really bloody weird on the way here. <laughs> this is a perfect Daniel Radcliffe impression. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep going. I was walking near the class and I saw, I saw a dog <laughs> and he was taking a big shit and just staring at me. Just shitting in the sidewalk in public in front of everybody. And it just stared at me dead in the eyes. Almost like it was a human. And it's Snape. Yeah. Just like, look at that, Harry. Shit. (laughs) Shit. I swear, on the way in, I saw a a little bunny rabbit that that was fucking a bird. What if, uh, yeah, Snape would turn into the dog to shit so Harry would step in the pile. Yeah. And then when he's in pot- potions class, he's like, seems you've got a turd on your shoe, <laughs> Mr. Potter. Like, how weird does this get? I bet it gets freaky. I bet it gets really fucking yeah. weird, you know? <laughs> it should, at least. He's I a- mean, explore the realms of experience. Yeah. If you're in a magical world. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> it really makes me wonder. And of course, yeah. you know, I, I think that everybody has thought about, gosh, if Peter Pettigrew was Scabbers and he's yeah. hanging around really? that, that entire family of boys going yeah, through their adolescence. Yeah, he's seen a lot of little boys jerk off. He's seen a lot of peen. Mm-hmm. He has. Yeah. He's watched. That would be something I would think he would comment on after he became human again, like, Ron, you've really got to stop all the jerking off. <laughs> oh, Ron, you should really get that mole on your bollocks checked out. Again, perfect. Uh, Peter Pettigrew. I thought so. <laughs> that was pretty accurate. Pretty accurate if you ask me. Yeah. Because it's books for kids, I guess she couldn't get into any of that. But it's real weird because there would be a lot of fucking in that castle. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. That I mean, it's a bunch of horny teenagers yeah. who can give each other crazy ass potions and perform spells on each other. Abordicus. Like, I can't imagine that wizards have sex without their wands. Like, no. I bet to them that's like, what? <laughs> you don't do, like, vibrate penis and stick it in? It's like... <laughs> yeah. Like, of course. Gagbolicus. Yeah, of course that would happen. <laughs> wow. It makes a man wonder. Ooh, and it makes me wonder. 
Makes me wonder about getting another pull. You ready for another yeah. one? Yeah. And there's a wind on down the road. Dunka, 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 dunka. What are we drinking now? We're going to have ourselves a little birthday beer that my my student Mike brought me today at oh, the yeah? studio. He brought me these old birthday beers that we're enjoying today. This is a Duvel. Yeah. Just a regular ass old Duvel. This is a Belgian golden ale. You ever had a Duvel before? I have not. Really? No, I'm excited. Oh man, it's great. This is yeah. an eight point fiver. You know what? You just said your student Mike. That reminded me. We have a, a shout out for uh, a Mike Kleeman who donated money to us on Patreon. Woo! Thanks so much, homie. Also wanted to shout out Alan Ave- Evans. Alan. Alan Evans. Alan Evans, who sent us a digital copy of us. Nice. Yeah, so we can we can do us. In the future. We could do us? We could do us. Ooh, we both do each other. Also, the uh, the wonderful John Latour sent me the video game Harvester because he wants to see me play it. Harvester? Uh, when I start streaming games. Sick. Uh, apparently, it's a horror game. I've never... I, I haven't opened it or anything because I want... When I do stream it, I want it to be my first experience with it. Is it scurry? Is it a scurry game? I, I read that it's real gross. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. I'm interested to see what it's all about. Do you think that maybe people thought that the Shrieking Shack was haunted because what was going on is there was like a snake fucking an owl fucking a, <laughs> That's a, a, a rabbit the, up the there? The Shrieking Shack and the Whomping Willow have been there for people to go fuck in Animagus F, F Shacks. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the fuck shack, not the Shriek Shack. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I think we're on to something yeah, here. I do too. If there is not a Harry Potter erotic fan fiction that is you know explored all of this yeah i will be shocked i would be shocked too because there's definitely a lot of harry potter Potter. erotic fanfic slash fic fic. a lot of uh harry fucking malfoy harry fucking ron plenty of that i'll tell you i'll tell you you don't have to uh to search too hard to find that stuff see what that duvel does to you it's a good brew oh wow right it's a belgian yeah it is belgian it's it's got that bit of smokiness to it but it's actually real crisp and and clean it's less uh cloyingly sweet than yeah, a lot yeah. of Belgians too. Yeah. It is I nice like and light. I figured these kind of Belgian beers would make sense for this European Hogwarts. Right, atmosphere. obviously. <laughs> you know? It makes sense. Okay, so we also get introduced to the Boggarts in this. The Boggart uh-huh. is yeah. a, a formless this demon is a cool, or ghoul. This is a cool idea, really, uh, that I think maybe comes from Halloween. Yeah? Yeah. He's the boogeyman. They refer to him as the shape. Like like the boggart seems to me in a lot of ways to be somewhat that you project i mean we know this to be what the boggart is you project onto it your fears and that's what michael myers mask does is makes you project scary terrifying whatever is behind those black eyes and and that expressionless eyes face like mm. you project all the fear onto it it's a it's a cheese pizza awaiting for your fear is to top it yeah huh see this I, is a horror podcast can you order fear on top of <laughs> cheese pizza because i would like fear to that. please i'll have some fear extra mm-hmm. extra fear i think this is actually the the one harry potter movie that we've done so far that is the closest to horror because we do have a werewolf in this right like if a werewolf's in it, is it not horror ever? <laughs> like, yeah, typically, typically. Monster Squad, which we've covered, a horror comedy, but werewolf, like... Do you think you, Lupin had nards? I think he Lupin didn't, because it, it showed very clearly his crotch. 
What no happened nards. to his dick? Yeah. What y'all done to homie's dick? Aww. Lupin. Bless his heart. But I, I think this is, you know, the most hor horrific so far. I think it gets, in the books especially, way worse. Yes. I mean, when, like, Fenrir Greyback mauls Lavender Brown and shit, like, that in the seventh book. Yeah. Like, there's some horrendous stuff in there. Yeah, but I think this, I think this, or a kid's horror, maybe? Maybe. A little light horror this, action. It's, I don't know if there's any scares in it, though. It just has a ghost, you know, or it had. This is the last one, I think, that has ghosts in it, right? Okay. I want to talk about them ghosts. Okay. Because the ghosts are very downplayed in the series. I forgot. There is one in Deathly Hallows Part 2. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. But that's right. Anyway, it's like the uh, Rowena Ravenclaw, yeah. The, right, the Crimson yeah. Ghost or whatever his name is. No, oh, no that's, Rowena, that's, the damn, that's the damn Misfits mascot. <laughs> yeah, ghost. no. It's Rowena Ravenclaw. She leads them to that's the guy right. played by Kelly McDonald. That's right. Yeah. So the ghosts are really underplayed in the movies. In the books, they're like, you know, there's a house ghost. You got Nearly mm. Headless Nick and all that stuff. Nick is not in this one. Uh, Peeves isn't in any of them. He's a no. poultry guy, so technically. Yeah. They, I, I, I'm fine with them have, having taken Peeve out. It's, it's, yeah, it's an okay thing to yeah. cut that out. But there's something that did strike me as kind of odd about the ghosts in this. Okay. So there's a scene where it's kind of panning through, I think it's the Great Hall during one of the feasts, if I'm not mistaken. All right. And as it's kind of doing this sweeping shot, a spectral man on a horse with a head... Yes. But he has a head. He has a head. Like, a nor like regularly people have heads, but he's also holding a head. Yes. That is not his current head. His steed kind of jumps through a window. Uh-huh. And there's spectral glass. Spectral glass. There's ghost glass, Steve. That Yeah, I didn't like that this either. This is highly confusing yeah. to me. This is extremely confusing to me. He should just phase right through it. I should think so. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, when a ghost walks through a kid, should it, like fucking split him in twain well one does walk through a kid in this and I know. they just say gross like, oh it's cold yeah i can feel your evil inside of me <laughs> <laughs> i wish they had said that Ew, gross i can I feel can your evil inside feel of me your evil inside of me <laughs> but what's the story there so he jumps yeah, through that a, make a sense. spectral window the ghost of a window how long do ghost shards remain on the floor <laughs> Windows also, what, have souls? What about that? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, what about that soul of that window? It lives on immortally? How confused do you think that ghost horse is, too? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck is going on? It's riding around through fucking ghost glass windows right. and shit. Walking through kids. This horse is just like, I don't know I bet what that, the fuck is happening. I bet that horse is an Animagus and he's into it. See, like, it opens up all of this stuff, man. He's like, yeah, let's go through the Ghost Ride class. me for eternity, yeah. bro. Run at the kids. <laughs> like, this all gets really weird. Yeah, it does. When you see every animal in the series and you're like, mm. maybe that's just a dude. Yeah. I, I Like, just, I know from reading history on um, Pottermore. Yeah. That one wizard allegedly had a, a Patronus that was a giant. Like apparently what? it could be mythical creatures and shit too. Like and so But like, giants are real creatures yeah. in the Harry Potter universe. Right, I know. And like people could turn in the animagus is that could turn into very strange things. Like there's a lot more to it in the Pottermore stuff you might want to look into, but I really think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. If there were just like some Harry like some Harry Potter offshoot books that were like not for kids. Like 
you do not want your kids reading this because it gets freaky as shit. Hogwarts by dark. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the Red Shoe Diaries, Harry yep. Potter edition. <laughs> the Red Robe Diaries. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What would be like a taxi cab's conf- confessions <laughs> kind of thing? <laughs> the, uh, the night bus confessions. Night bus confessions. <laughs> night bus confessions. <laughs> they just put somebody in that night bus and they're like, this one time I fucked a tortoise. And then the- I found out it was a man. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> it's very strange, very erotic. <laughs> I've never been so turned on in all my years. And then Noah Fielding gets out of the taxi. Some of our British <laughs> listeners will think that's funny, maybe. Okay, all right. Because you kind of sounded like Noah Fielding. Okay, I'll yeah. take your word on that one. I'll yeah, and it also one. sounded like something he would say. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Fuck a tortoise. (laughs) (laughs) How about that night bus? How about like maybe we add in a shrunken stereotypical Jamaican? Love that. I think they did that just so we can go, boy. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Beach. Red stripe. Hooray beer. (laughs) Jack chicken. Adam Duritz's hair. <laughs> Why did they have that in there? Like, I remember even seeing this in theaters the first time, and as soon as that thing started talking, I was like, okay, now what is this now? Uh, yeah, I didn't like it. I, I think they overdrew that whole night bus thing because they wanted maybe it to be a ride. Is oh, it a ride okay. at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter? Maybe? I don't think so. No. If I there, bet if it will it is, be in the new. future. Yeah, yeah, you're you're probably right about that. Yeah, because it, it's it useless, really. We don't learn anything from it. I got the impression, too, that that whole thing with the shrunken head was all completely a post-production decision. Yeah. Nobody ever interacts with well, it. Well, they, to do that, they used the Matrix bullet time with like the surrounding cameras yeah. to make... Yeah, I, I don't know why they put so much investment into it. Was that it. necessary? No. It was pretty much like a a, a fucking Boglin All we needed from when was, we were kids. You remember Boglins? Yes. All we needed was for Stan Shunpike to show Harry the the Daily Prophet with Sirius on the front. Yeah. We didn't need it to get wacky. No. I mean, I guess it's probably fun for some kids. But for me, uh, as an adult, <laughs> it yeah. was like, eh, whatever. About Sirius on that newspaper. Yeah. Why is he hooping and hollering like a maniac when he's right. an innocent man? Yeah, exactly. Also, I don't... Okay, help me understand this. I don't know if I can. The Grim, right? Yeah, yeah, the Black Dog. Okay, so it's a warning. About what? Impending what? death in traditional Is mythology. A, right, but in, in this case, no. No, In this it's case, not. it's like, oh, see, you're going to see Sirius. Oh, it's your godfather, isn't it? Isn't it, yeah. Or, or it could be a <laughs> warning about Lupin. Like, I've, I never really thought deep into it until i was watching it again and like in the quidditch match he goes up and he you sees see the, the grim yeah. in the clouds it looks really cool by it the does way. look cool really cool shot and i can't i didn't check to see if it was in the book but i believe it is oh that was that was actually not intended for harry that was intended for cedric diggory who gets hit by lightning oh right yeah it was yeah. for somebody else okay <laughs> but in this not the case and this is just like we keep seeing it, and then it's a warning for no reason. No, because not really. nothing negative comes of meeting Sirius. It's only positive. It's all very misleading. Yeah, it's all unreliable narrative. Yeah, and also characters deliberately keeping information out of Harry's uh, 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 path. You yeah, know? I mean, like, some of that is understandable because 
Dumbledore has told them that there might be a connection between Harry and Voldemort and not to reveal certain things to him. But a lot of the stuff would have nothing to do with Voldemort. Like if, for instance, Remus were to say like, Oh, Mooney Padfoot Prongs, uh, that's that's me and your your dad and our pals Sirius Black and and Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Harry could have said, Sirius Black was your friend? What do you mean? And then there could be a bunch of more like explanation that again would have no effect on his connection with Voldemort. Right. Voldemort learning all this would be like, yeah, I know. So what? It's useless the way they keep yeah, so is. much stuff from him. Yeah, and it kind of continues through the whole movie because, like, whenever Harry sees Sirius the first time, he is the big dog, and it's like growling at him and like acting uh-huh, super aggressively, he's gonna kill yeah. him. In the book, it's Why? just a big dog. Yeah, it's just like in in an alleyway or in the right. bushes or something like this. It is more like a spectral like warning kind of uh-huh. thing. But in this, this dog is acting like it's about to fucking kill him, and it's like, oh, you're my godson, aren't you? <laughs> why and then like later on they get to the shrieking shack they're playing the whole pronoun game kill him we gotta kill him yeah and like lupin is pointing his wand at sirius okay i why i read that chapter just to see because like in the chapter in the book it all makes sense Harry is angry at Sirius and is not listening to him but Sirius is making an effort to say very clearly what he needs to tell him. Yeah, and Harry is just like, shut up, you murdered my family. Yeah, like, they, he's the like books, shutting him down. In the books, shit. it all makes sense because this is the guy he knows to have murdered his family. Yeah. In this, it's just like a whole lot of uh, pronouns thrown around instead of just being clear. It, it All they need to say is immediately, that rat is Peter Pettigrew. He's an Animagus. You know what Animagi are because you uh, know that McGonagall is a cat lady. Yeah. They would all be like, oh, okay. So, and then Peter Pettigrew killed your parents. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Also, they're way more experienced than Harry, and Harry's a terrible wizard. Why wouldn't they just go Expelliarmus immediately when they walk in? Dunzo. Also, why does Harry's Expelliarmus blast Snape across the fucking room? I don't know. Why did And why does it work so well when he's using Hermione's wand? I don't get it. Also, why doesn't he get in trouble when he's using magic during the opening goddamn scene okay, of the movie? Okay, that was the worst. That was inexcusable because the movie itself then has a thing where, you know, his Aunt Marge gets blown up and whatnot, and he has to meet with Cornelius Fudge, who's... Talks to him about not using magic outside of school. In the book, yeah. But in the movie also, he's like, it's no big deal, but it's still a thing. Like, I had to bring you here because of it. Yeah. Well, in the in the book, if you'll remember, like, he, the thing with Marge happens at the first. He yeah. Bl- he blows her up, she inflates and blows away and mm-hmm. stuff. And then he gets his letter of expulsion from right. the school. And he's like, oh, shit, I've got nowhere to go. Yeah. And then, yeah, he gets on the night bus, he goes to the inn, and he meets up with Fudge, and Fudge is like, we're going to sponge that from your record. You find out later, because they're trying to keep him safe, because yes. Hogwarts is the safest place for him while Sirius right. Black is on the loose. But in this, it's just like, yeah, you did magic outside of school. No big deal. Not a big deal. Even though in the last fucking movie... It was a huge deal. Yeah, like, and <laughs> it wasn't even him doing the spell. Right. It was like, Dobby did the spell in the house, and it got him damn near kicked yeah. out of school. And in the fifth movie, it's a gigantic deal. Yeah. He was doing life-defending magic, right. getting these Dementors away. So why the, is it just like a little, little fun thing where he's under his blankets? Using you know, like, his flashlight. What the fuck? Like, because that is it is a flashlight in yeah. the books. He's just under his blankets oh, reading he's books. he's using a torch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. It's a torch. He's using a torch, yeah. 
I'm sure our British listeners were like, what? What is he talking a about? A flashlight. A flashlight. <laughs> Makes me want to go out in a garden and shoot myself. <laughs> Crikey. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Crikey. Crikey, okay. yeah. I thought so. I uh, throw another shrimp on the barbie, of course. <laughs> as no one says in Australia, as they call them prawns. Oh, I thought we were doing England shit. Oh, Sorry. right. No, I mean, Sorry. England, of course. They also call them prawns. I messed up on that one. Damn it. <laughs> uh, the Dementors look great. Dementors yes, look cool. They this, do. The CGI is, actually looks fine still. It, it kind of does. I mean, not all the CGI in this movie, but that CGI it, still kind of looks That good. looks pretty good. And this is in that era where it's like we had just had the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Ring yes. Wraiths. The Ring Wraiths, the Dementors, obviously very similar. similar. Yeah. Black hooded individuals. Mm-hmm. But they found a way to make the Dementors in this look really cool. There's something about like their bulbous heads and like uh-huh. singular mouth openings that yes. almost look like octopi to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. You okay. Know, those long like yeah. squids and octopuses and stuff kind of look like that. And the way they're so like thin and bony and float so slow. Right. I love that one. It was like kind of like actually there's one of several great little cut scenes through the movie that show passage of time. Right. Like, and the they're just outside the, the, um, the castle. castle. And it like wilts all those flowers. All right. It does like that time lapse. Yeah. Really cool. That is cool. Very, very neat. And I love all the whomping willows shaking the, the, yeah. the leaves off and I stuff. Think, That's all really neat. I think the werewolf doesn't look great Werewolf anymore. doesn't look great. No. It looks sort of PlayStation 2. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It looks like video game graphics. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the design. I like that it's uh-huh. this long spindly, kind of like dog yeah, soldiers. And that he's not actually covered in hair because that is always a weird thing to me with werewolves. Like they suddenly sprout all this long hair. Yeah. He's kind of mangy. Yeah. He's just got hair where a human would have hair, but he's mostly skin. He's kind of puppish though. He doesn't he really is. look he looks like, like a, a puppy. Yeah. And he's like, like a, a full grown man who's been a werewolf his whole uh-huh. life pretty much. So seems like it would have been a more man like wolf like thing. Yeah. This seemed more like a, a were pup. Right. A were puppy. A were puppy. But overall, the CG and stuff in this does look a lot better, especially than the first two. This is a big leap going from yes. the second one where yeah. everything looked like it was made of rubber. There is a lot this. of puppeteering in this, too. There is a lot of practical, like the, the frogs and the rat. Like, yeah, uh-huh. And there's even like some weird up-close magic and illusions in this. Did uh-huh. you know about this? What? Yeah, there was an actual like magic consultant that they hired oh. to be on set. Wow. And he's he in- revealed his secrets? He did. He's a traitor. Uh-huh. Wow. It was Chris Angel. Chris Angel? Uh-huh. What a fuck mind. Mind fuck. Mind freak. <laughs> a fuck mind. That one. The thing he does. That one. That's the thing. Where he looks like an emo guy and whatnot. <laughs> but they had this actual like magic consultant guy on set at all times, and he's in the movie for one brief second. Okay. And it's funny because I was watching the movie uh, the night of my birthday when I was super fucked up. Yeah. And I noticed this and uh, I just thought it was me just being a drunk idiot. But it turned out it was like, oh, that's actually just a bit of magic on screen at the time. Right whenever they get to the inn near the first of the movie Uh where they meet, you know, uh, the Weasleys and Hermione. Right, right. There's that really nice long shot where there's all kinds of cool stuff going on in the background. There's all kinds of witches and wizards like mulling around. There's a poster of Sirius Black inexplicably screaming and carrying Aha, on. Yeah. I'm mad. And there's a guy that's like, I guess one of the guys working the inn, and he comes up to a table and picks up like an empty wine bottle mm. and like vanishes it. Oh, okay. That's the actual magic guy actually vanishing that bottle. Do, huh? That's not an effect. 
That bottle went into the nether zone. That's right. He banished it to the nether realm. Wow. On screen. That's on how camera. magic really works, guys. Pretty sure it is. Mm-hmm. So, like, little stuff like that shows that they really did care. And there's there's some good visual stuff. I love the way that the, the monster book of monsters looks. Yeah. I oh, love, that is great. I love whenever that, uh, that maid, like, opens up the door. It's like housekeeping. <laughs> and it's like the wind and the light like, blows her yeah. away. That's all cool stuff. There's a good visual stuff. Buckbeak doesn't look that bad. No, not too bad. Still, again, kind of looks PlayStation-y. Yeah, and and they wanted to go with practical effects. Like, Kiran wanted to do all puppets. Mm. Like, none of it would have been CGI, but... Wow. With the time crunch, it would have just been so much over budget. Not that normally puppeteering would be more expensive than CGI, but when you need it done right now, of course, it's going to cost you a lot more money. Right, definitely. Yeah. But overall, I was pleased with the look of the of the Dementors. I like the the yeah. way that the kids can wear their school clothes yes. as they please, or just wear casual clothes. Yeah, I like the casual clothes introduction because we need. You, it's hard to connect to people who are wearing those damn robes. It, it's also it's just so weird to me how disconnected the first two are from the real world entirely. Very much, yeah. Where this brings in that the clothing and they, they seem much more like real kids instead of like kids from the 1800s or something yeah. <laughs> wearing those robes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. And like kind of the whole redesign of the castle that Curon insisted on, like mm-hmm. the castle on the grounds. Like I remember at the time being like, well, that's dumb. Like they just changed everything and didn't mm-hmm. explain it. And, but you know, watching it through for the podcast and after having watched the first two and realizing that the first two looks like it's just like several different green screen sets yeah and nothing is actually connected to each other at all yeah there's no sense of geography yeah like i got the impression with this one that all of these all of these things that seem to me whenever i watched it the first time to be pretty pointless like this huge buck beak flying ride right or even there's there's one of those transitions that's just a bird flying through the grounds and then the whomping willow gets it at the very end and it's just like just flicks it yeah. yeah and it's like well that's fucking pointless it's not it's showing you the layout of how the grounds are actually set up it's establishing physical continuity this is where this is in relation to that yeah cause like mm-hmm. in the first movie if you just asked me well where's Haggard's Hut in relation to the castle I'd be like I have no fucking idea I have no idea yeah. yeah it all looks like it's on a set somewhere mm-hmm. you know so I do like that they establish that kind of uh, physical geographical continuity through the movie with that series of flybys and stuff yep let's talk about what is obviously going to be an ultra issue. Let's hear it. Time travel. It's the worst. Why introduce it into a world of magic? Why? There's so This movie is pretty much devoid of magic. There are magical things magic. happening, but yeah. not a lot of people performing There's magic. There's magical creatures. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. Not really a lot and of so, like magic combat or spells yeah. or really anything. And so to throw in a device that can travel in time is like, what? genre is this yeah and it just opens up so many fucking problems yeah that they have to close by destroying all the time turners in the fifth book by saying that was a bad idea yeah yeah that is just basically an open confession of i realize i broke the game when i introduced it absolutely breaks the universe entirely because if you have time turners why wouldn't you go back and save the potters why wouldn't you go back and stop voldemort like why yeah there's countless things and then it's also like too when you're talking about Okay, why would the ministry grant a at this a age, child at, at this time? Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say she's what ten, eleven. Oh, I think they're supposed to be twelve. Wait, they Maybe go 12. there when they're eight. Eight, so nine, ten, eleven. Nine, ten, eleven. Twelve max, ten to twelve years old. Yeah, and 
they would just like grant this to her because like she seems to be good at class. Let's yeah. give her a device that could ruin all of the entire timeline of humanity. You know what? They could have even. What? They could have even uh, like. There are so many solutions to have it not have time travel at all. Yes. But they could have even kept the time turner in. Just have it be one of those things where they're like, every semester we choose one uh, student from uh, each year and they get to take two classes at the same time using the time turner. It's like, okay. Like, I mean, it's still, it would have to be the only one and very rare and only be able to be used for like an hour. That is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. This is the solution of the whole time turner thing of like, well, why don't you go back in time and kill wizard Hitler? Right. Why don't you go back in time and save Harry's Mm -hmm. parents? Right. Just say the fucking thing can only go back an hour. One hour and they found out three hours later that his parents were dead. So couldn't go back and save him. Couldn't do it. Exactly. Yeah. So that would make you able to go take this, you know, 50 minute class Go make it, you know, go back in time an hour, make it yeah. to the other 50 minute class, go yeah. back or whatever. That would make sense, yeah. but they don't even say that. It's just nope. like, I don't know, you can go back in time till whenever, I guess. I guess, yeah. Just, yeah, it's never clearly defined. And here's the thing, too, is like they granted, not only did they grant like an 11 year old kid permission to use a time altering device, which uh-huh. could severely damage right. every fucking thing. And they just gave it to her. It's not like she has to go to McGonagall's office to use it. Yeah. She just carries it with her all she the time. She has it on her fucking neck all yeah. the time. Not only that, but they gave it to a student who every year so far has gotten in trouble. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they gave For, it to the student yeah. who they knew. But I mean Like I, honestly, like Draco would be a better candidate to get this thing. He's gotten in less trouble than them. That's true. I mean, he's think about been it. evil, but he's not really gotten in trouble. No. He had to go and, you know, explore the Forbidden Forest in that, that first movie. Yeah, but that wasn't that was his punishment, you know, for what being out late, right? Yeah. They were both out of the he room. He was catching them out at Haggard's hut with the drag right. and shit. Yeah. yeah. But it's like they're giving this away willy nilly to a student who might be gifted. Right. Why is it that fucking important that she take all these classes anyway? I mean, does I all of know. wizard life depend on it? That it's worth giving her this time-turning device? Yes, exactly. Something with so much power should not be in the hands of a child. Any child, honestly. Like, there's no reason. Like, she could be the best 11-year-old ever. I still wouldn't give her a time-travel device. No, fuck no. I mean, Hermione may be the best 11 year old ever could be <laughs> so maybe there was a judgment call there where dumbledore's like well i would <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's really a big issue and of course there's all kinds of time continuum problems of course anytime you have time travel there's always yeah these, it's a bad thing to introduce into yeah. the series because the entire first storyline we see seems to be being affected by their time travel already here he gets hit in the head by that rock that mm-hmm. face shatters all kinds of stuff yeah. So we're seeing that already timeline B is affecting timeline A mm-hmm. before timeline B is even introduced. So I guess yeah. that means that all time exists simultaneously. Right. I don't I don't fucking really understand. But then it. then when they see Dumbledore coming out of He seems the to be hospital. aware of what's going on. But when they have done the time travel and fixed everything and then they see him, he seems to not know what they're talking about. Yeah, he's which like, doesn't no idea what you're fit with about. the way the time travel worked before. I don't fucking. It know. would make more sense that he comes out and he's like, "I'm glad you've accomplished it," and it just happened within the five seconds that he walked out the hospital wing. 
Yeah. That would be more that would be more in line with what they did up to that point with time travel. Yeah, what, yeah what time travel is just a bad thing to introduce. What into. a fucking dickhead Dumbledore is too to be like, you know what? I am the most powerful wizard on earth, but I'm gonna leave it to you kids to go yeah. back in time. This should work out I think, fine. I really do think that the sixth book justifies everything that Dumbledore had been doing because he wanted to train Harry yeah. and his friends to be able to search for these Horcruxes. And that's great. That all does fix it. But at this time, it's like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> like, what? You're sending children back in time where they can die also, like hundred times over. are you fucking serious? Oh. Because maybe. Mm-hmm. Interesting question. In a dog form. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's just one of those things. You can't really elegantly introduce time travel in no. and not have it no. cause problems. You can't, you can't introduce time travel into anything and not have it be the entire subject of everything ever. Yeah. If time travel exists, it's all you need to deal with. If you can do it, you can solve everything. And that's the thing is because of the time travel you know, finale of this movie, it makes that kind of middle three quarter where... Suddenly, it's like, okay, they'd been like, oh, Sirius Black, he's in the castle, he's going to get here. Right. Like, nothing's really going on that much. Uh-huh. And then it's like, oh, Ron's getting dragged under a tree by a dog. Oh, my God, I'm in a shrieking shack. Oh, my God, Peter Pettigrew. All right, blah, blah, blah. this is the climax of the movie. It just floors it out of nowhere. 40 minutes later, we're uh-huh. at the end of the movie because there's a whole other story after the climax of the movie. Yeah. That's it makes about the time travel. Really, really strange right uh-huh. here. It gets really odd. And again, I really noticed it this time through because I was watching the movie, mm-hmm. you know, not just having it on. Yeah, you're paying full attention to what's supposed to be happening. And it's like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. It seems like there was a cleaner, more elegant way for them to tell essentially the same story about Harry meeting a bunch of people that knew his parents. Yeah. That's the really important thing to me is that it's about Harry meeting people that knew his parents and their shared stories about his parents. Right, so he learns about his parents. He learns more about his own history. And and learns he has family left Learns he has family, yeah. He has people that care about him. Yeah, Yeah. there's ways that you could have done that without the Shrieking Shack. Like, just just imagine if all of that hullabaloo in the Shrieking Shack would have taken place in uh, the Forbidden Forest or in Hagrid's Hut. yeah. Like, you can avoid the whole, well, we don't really have to tell why there's a whomping willow. We don't really have to have yeah. that tunnel going to the Shrieking Shack. I like, think that at that point, that. they had just cut so much from the books, they were like, I can't cut everything. <laughs> yeah. Odd choices that they made. There's a few other things in this movie. I just want to put out a couple little side notes of my very okay. funny, slightly inebriated um, notes. <laughs> Let's hear this. That I, that I made right here. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that they're in the movie whenever they're on the Hogwarts Express... They're in their little their their little cabin there. Mm-hmm. It's our, our main three plus a sleeping Lupin. Yeah, Dementor attacks. Look right. out! Lupin wakes up, saves him. I think that's just some hidden commentary that we should arm our teachers. Oh hey, keep our students yeah. safe. That'll stop school shootings. If teachers have guns to shoot back at the school shooting, the uh-huh. school shooting will not have taken place because of time turners. Exactly right. If yeah. Lupin hadn't had a wand. Yeah. They'd have been screwed. That's a, think of the dumbness of that logic. A gun in a teacher's hand will stop a school <laughs> shooting. The school shooting is in, in process in when he is shooting at them. It doesn't stop it. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. anyway. 
<laughs> uh, Parvati turns her uh, snake boggart uh-huh. into something worse. Yes, that's what Emily said last <laughs> night. She was like, "That's way scarier." Not better. Yeah, not better. I think the whole class would have been like, "Oh, oh, <laughs> not fuck." Parvati's a freak. I was gonna say maybe this is like subtext. Like She's Parvati is like a fucking yeah. maniac, dude. Yeah, if she ran into Pennywise. She'd be like, "I'm sliding down there." What's up, buddy? What if that was supposed to be Pogo the clown, aka? <laughs> John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> That's what comforts her is thinking yeah. of John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> There's a snake. I can have like, boys oh. buried under my house. <laughs> and then suddenly Pogo the Clown appears. Yeah. And, oh then, and then Lupin just stops the lesson. He's like, Pravati, uh, we need to have a discussion. <laughs> We're concerned. <laughs> One other fun observation. Okay. So Ron gets drugged by the leg under the Whomping Willow. Right. By the dog, right? Mm-hmm. In the book, it like breaks his leg. Yes, it's, he's got a real serious injury. In this, he just kind of gets like a little scratch, like his jeans get torn. Right. but he's, he's not immobilized or anything like that. But they still have to take him to the hospital wing and yeah. all that stuff, yeah. And whenever he's taken up above ground, he's sitting there with Hermione, and he's like, I think, they, I think they're going to have to amputate. <laughs> Which makes no sense. It's a joke in this, basically. I think it's revealing that Ron has some really severe body dysmorphia. <gasps> He's one of those people that's just like, I'm not supposed to have two legs. This is oh. my perfect excuse to get this damn other leg taken off. <laughs> I've always felt like my right leg was alien. Exactly. That is, yeah, that is a syndrome. He's looking for an excuse for his body modifications yeah. to start, dude. That's a weird. That is a strange, strange syndrome. Boy, that's something Read I up can't on understand. Right Alien there. hand syndrome, I think it's called, where basically you feel like a limb or something is not doesn't yours and you doesn't and belong stuff. to you. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's people that are like, I feel like I should have been born blind, and they fucking pour Drano in their eyes yeah. and stuff. Like, it's crazy. I don't get it. I mean, but then again, we've already covered that. There's people in in the wizarding world that are like, I just want to be an animal. Maybe I'm a fuck beak. <laughs> fuck beak. <laughs> the town slut hippogriff. Fuck, fuck beak. beak. <laughs> he shows up at the door like, hey, what's oh. up? You got to bow before me or do I bow before you? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this movie is very problematic yeah i used to think it was one of the better movies now i feel like i don't hate it no it's harry Harry potter it's like automatic automatic three and a half points for being a harry potter yeah and it it really was important for making the future movies better yeah absolutely so again like i said i think the tonal change was really fast i think that there should have been more of a tonal change in two to make three a more yes. natural progression. Yeah. I don't think it's any fault of three. I think it's more the fault of two yeah. to have the and sudden that, change. That was the fault of such a fast turnaround. That yeah. They were shooting the first one, sent it out, started shooting the second one before it was even shown. Like, yeah. But it's still enjoyable to me because it's just getting to see some of the things that I saw in my imagination as I read the books come to life. You know, yeah. but that being said, if I hadn't read the books, this movie wouldn't make a goddamn lick doesn't. of sense. It really doesn't. A lick of sense, dude. Like I said, just the whole blatant, no explanation of who made the map. Which, by the way, love the map design. It looks great. It's like this yeah. multi-tier. Yeah, like, I liked thing. that a lot. I was trying to figure that geometry out. It was like basically, if there was a door, there was a, a part of well, the map you could pull thing. open yeah. that then showed you what was behind that. It's cool. Yeah. Very very cool. How come the twins never noticed Peter Pettigrew on the map? 
It'd been like, oh, Peter's in the room with us, sitting on Ron's Do lap. Do they know who Peter Pettigrew is? But wouldn't they have oh, been wait, like... Oh, yeah, they would have noticed that. Yeah. Definitely, because... Yeah, what? I know. Wouldn't they have fucking noticed? They definitely would have. Yeah. Major issue. That's huge. I didn't think about that at all. Yeah. That's a major issue with the book itself. Yeah, because I just kind of thought of that. I was like, they'd never really addressed that in the book either. Yeah, so. they definitely would have been looking at the map and been like, all right, uh, wh- where's Ron? Ron, looks like he's got another boy sitting on his lap. <laughs> we should that, ask him about that. Been like, oi, oi, look, Ron's in the bathroom <laughs> Perfect again. Perfect Fred slash George impression. Thank you, thank uh-huh. you. Oi, George, look, Ron's in the bathroom having himself another wank, is he? Who's Peter Pettigrew in there watching him? <laughs> He's just sitting stock still watching Ron. <laughs> what in the world? Yeah. Yell. Yeah. And then Fred's like, yeah, George, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. But it looks good. Gorgeous movie. Again, best camera work and stuff of the series so far. Soundtrack, John Williams last, but it's very yeah. good. It's all pretty much all rehash of... Yeah, it's, all, it's pretty much themes. all rehash. I mean, like, uh, in future movies, we get some variations from different people. Who, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's good. I mean, it's John Williams. It's 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 probably a little more dark than one or two, but yeah. not much. There's not a huge variation from the first two. Yeah. Going off of what I gave the last one, I gave Chamber of Secrets, like, I think uh, three and a half. Okay. Because it's just such a slog of a movie. Yeah. I want to say I gave I gave Philosopher's Stone like a, a damn ten, just because it's just. Oh yeah, I it's think we fun. probably both magic. did it's because it, it it's it was my introduction to the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Watching that movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it it doesn't really have too many holes in it or anything. It's no. just a fun watch. Bad acting and stuff. Of yeah, course, it's but. not. I mean, definitely, if you were to rank them, you wouldn't put it at number one. But right, it, it's important. This one is definitely not as good as the first one. It's definitely better than the second one. Okay. I think if the second one's a three and a half, I'm going to say that this one is like, I think a four and a half. It's yeah. still really fucking long. It's still long. It is it's long, It's like two yeah. hours, 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, I don't think that it It's got that, that sort big. of Return of the King thing where it's like, oh, the end. Nope. Nope. Oh, here's the end. No. Oh, no. And no. <laughs> yeah. Only. Though in Return of the King, it's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. deserved. Yeah, because at that point, you'd already had fucking... You're like, oh, keep going. No, yeah. never end. Yeah. So if I'm tossing this thing at four and a half, where do you, where do you sit on this? I th- I like this better than the first one. Because really? I... Uh, yeah, because I, I really... I, the acting's so much better. Yeah, the acting's the first yeah. one shit. So, yeah, I'm gonna... But, I, uh, you know, I probably rated the first one a 10, and I wouldn't rate this a 10. I would say it's... For me, it's probably about a five and a half. It's... Well, no... I'd rather watch the Autopsy of Jane your, Doe. Uh, sorry, Veronica. Autopsy yeah. of Jane Doe is your five. So, uh, 4.75. Ooh, just slightly little higher more, than little me. A little more than you, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I know that we just made a lot of people mad because a lot of people do absolutely love this movie. Oh, that's fine. And I hope you keep loving it. And don't look for flaws in it. Just enjoy it. Yeah. But... But if you stop and think about it, you'll find you'll some find shit some shit, yeah, really, really, really <laughs> easily. So thank you guys so much for listening. We're going to be talking about a uh, another fan pick, another Patreon pick next week. Yes, we are. We're talking about Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. <laughs> this so is excited so, to do these yes. Kiwi accents. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so go ahead and apologize to our Kiwi listeners, and go ahead and uh, I guess psych up our Aussie listeners. <laughs> 
for making fun of people from New Zealand. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, they're only being confused with New Zealanders, yeah. but they do love making fun of yep. them. So <laughs> tune in for Dead Alive next week, directed by the great Peter Jackson. This yeah. is a super fun movie. Yeah, I love it. If you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend that you watch it. It is a horror comedy. So, yeah, and be expecting that. Horror comedy. Yeah, like, it's not a straight wacky from time to time. Extremely. Yes. Yeah, it's like a damn Bugs Bunny. And it's Peter Jackson, movie. director of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> the guy you know as Peter Jackson started out with this, and it's awesome. One of the most disgusting, gory. For a long time, it was the goriest movie yeah, ever made. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. That lawnmower scene, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. It's been a, a long time since I watched this, too, so yeah. I look forward to checking that. So you guys be sure to tune in uh, for that there next time. In the meantime, you guys be sure, if you like our, our show here, be sure to support us on Patreon. We got all kinds of tiers and stuff mm-hmm. y'all can choose from. Even just a buck a month. I know that don't sound like much. It's less than a dang yeah. old cup of coffee from the Dunkin'. But yeah, it'll get you a shout out on the show. Maybe think about it like this. If you got your own podcast, just put your podcast name as your Patreon name. Free shout out for your podcast. Yeah, free One dollar. Yeah. There you go. That's more than worth it when you put it yeah, that way. Yeah, if it's your band, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Literally don't care. If you're giving us a dollar a month, you can shout out whatever it is you want us to shout out. Well, we've got one dollar coming in here from an Info Wars. Oh, that would be an issue. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you're a white supremacist, uh, I'll refund your money immediately. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you put Hitler or whatever. Keep your dollar. Keep your dollar keep forever. Your dollar. I don't want it. <laughs> you guys can follow us on the social media all over the place. We everywhere. We blowing up the internet. It's true. At Dead Lovely Pod on Twitter, Instagram. We got Dead and Lovely Horror Movie Podcast Group on Facebook. Uh, uh, patreon.com slash dead and lovely YouTube you want, oh YouTube we got a uh, YouTube that still doesn't have a yep waiting uh, to get our custom URL yeah, custom URL so just look uh, seriously though if you go to YouTube and sl- put in dead and lovely it'll be ver- first dead and lovely Tom Waits and then dead and lovely horror <laughs> boom <laughs> that's us that's yeah we're not Tom Waits we're not Tom Waits um, if you just want to send us money if you don't want to uh, do Patreon, do Patreon. Some people have religious affiliations against Patreon. Yeah, I get that. Whatever. Whatever. If, if we'll, you're, ta- we'll if take you're your money, though. A Jehovah's Witness? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we'll take your money however you want to send it to us. What's that? PayPal at? PayPal.me dead and lovely. Yeah. PayPal.me slash dead and lovely. Send it on over. And if you got some beers from your local town that you'd like to check out, be sure to drop us an email. Yeah, and we'll, we'll give you an address you, you can uh, send us some beers to. We'd love to yeah. check them out and talk about them on the show. Cool stuff. So where can they email us? Deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. Booyah. <laughs> you guys be sure to send us a message. We'll send you an address. Well, in the meantime, it's been fun taking another trip down uh, to Hogwarts. Always love yeah. talking about these movies and books and everything. So much fun. There within. I look forward to exploring the vast world of magical zoological sex practices <laughs> prison wine and more on a future installment i guess next we got goblet of fire coming up yep which uh, is also problematic but i like the movie yeah I, I i think that's an enjoyable movie but it definitely gets far away from the book yeah yeah and if this is one of your first episodes you've ever listened to trust me they're all like this yep this is it yeah, yeah if you enjoyed this continue if you didn't enjoy it Please uh, uh, continue. Tons of other podcasts you can peruse while also still downloading ours. Yeah, there you go. And you could just keep it in your phone forever. Maybe you do. <laughs> well, you guys have been goddamn fantastic. We've been dead and lovely, and we'll be seeing you guys next time. Expecto Pabronum. Whoa, bro. He hey. summons my bro. Hey, bro. 
Here's some of his fucking Baja jacket for yeah. you guys want to get in my Geo Metro? <laughs> and then all these like monsters and demons and stuff are just like, no, no. I don't want to go with that guy, we'll be, man. We'll be, we'll be leaving. The Dementors are just like, God damn. He's going to start playing Santeria on that guitar. And <laughs> Immediately. Ugh, we're out of here. <laughs> he can play the guitar like a... Plink, 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 plink. Yeah, plink, like a motherfucking plink, right. Plink. Then produces a pretty shitty guitar solo. Yep. <laughs> Product does not perform as advertised. Not, not what expected. Yeah. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Why are you singing that way? <laughs> Take a deep breath. And get real high enough. Dream at the top of my nose. What's going on? She could definitely be like on the the ministry of silly singers for yeah. sure. Like on the silly okay, singing. Okay, so board. it's her, Aaron Neville, yeah. Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> the meeting is now in session. Tiny Tim. Uh, oh, Tiny Tim. Yeah, <laughs> Zoe would definitely be on there. Bob Dylan. Yeah, Bob Dylan. We've got some new orders to discuss in the ministry of silly singers. Okay. Macy Gray could also Macy. be really hot on this. Boy, what a weird voice. She's one of those that I remember hearing her and being like, who decided this would be a hit? Grover. I feel like Grover yeah. is the one who picks <laughs> all of these He's making all the people. choices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Grover and and uh, Animal. Animals. The, he just he plays the drums in the background while they're singing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 Might be onto something right there. They decide who makes the hits for tomorrow. <laughs>